Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We're coming your way this morning from Whitmore Country Club in Weldon Springs, Missouri. It's the site of the 2023 Folds of Honor Golf Tournament that will take place this afternoon here at Whitmore and at Missouri, plus 404 golfers raising money for Folds of Honor, which provides scholarships to children and spouses of those that pass away in the line of duty in the United States of America. It's a great cause, and we are proud to be here. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis, Brooke Grimsley, Randy Character. Good morning, kids. How are we doing? Good morning. Doing we're, wonderful. we're up bright and early. Yes. Almost got lost on the way here, but that, that's fine. Found your way. Good. Yes. I actually am okay with this. It's a little bit closer to home. I'll bet. So, you know, it was a, a shorter drive for me. Good. Much appreciated. Yeah, it, maybe we should do this more often. We, I think so. Just I, hang I, out I, here. Yeah. At more yeah, every, now, every now and then. Yeah, once a week. Set up a 10.05 <laughs> tea time. And, Let's, <laughs> and we're ready to go. <laughs> Matthew Rocky is also here with us. And Bradford Bruns is back at the studios of 101 ESPN. Great weekend. It was a fun sports weekend. Saturday was not great. We were over at Patios for the Adam Wainwright Big League Impact event and the London Watch Party. Well, we all stuck around to watch the Cardinals 9-1 loss to the Cubs on Saturday. But yesterday, the Redbirds rebounded and came away with a 7-5 victory. And I don't know what you guys thought of that top of the first inning. I generally think that it's probably not fair to ask a starting pitcher to get five outs, but that's exactly what Matthew Libertor had to do on the very first batter of the game. Uh, uh, an error by uh, Paul DeYoung puts the first runner, Nico Horner, aboard. And then a line out and a, a strikeout by Christopher Morrell should be out of the inning, right? But instead, there are two outs. Dansby Swanson with a base hit to score Nico Horner. Then a walk to Jay Hap- or uh, to uh, uh, Ian Happ. You can't do that. And then Trey Mancini with a double. And then a play that... Nolan Arenado's made a thousand times. Miguel Amaya with a shot down the line. It looked like Arenado just whiffed. It it really did. And I think originally it was looked at or even ruled an error, but he didn't touch it. So sometimes Mm -hmm. they kind of take that away from him. But I was pretty surprised by that. I know that they kept talking about how bouncy the turf was too. I don't know if that's something that's factoring into the players' heads and thought process throughout the weekend, but I was pretty surprised by that by Nolan Arenado and just the way that that whole early part of that game unfolded. I kind of felt bad for Matthew Libitor. I know that he wasn't perfect by any means, but I felt like a lot of it wasn't on him. And once you get to that, once you record what's supposed to be your third out, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys that get, get frustrated. He's a young pitcher. He's saying, man, I should be out of this inning. But uh, run scored. Mancini scores on the Amaya double, and it was 4 nothing in favor of Chicago, but your Cardinals did not quit. Bottom of the second inning, Tommy Edmond is aboard, and so is Wilson Contreras when the Cardinals score their first runs of the game. Oh, line drive. It's a base hit to right field. Gorman scores. Here comes Walker. Here's the throw. He'll score. It's a two-run single for Donovan. And it's 4-3 Cubs. So the Cardinals had come back from a 4-0 deficit, down 4-3 in the second. 
Libertor shuts him down, well, almost shuts him down in the third. He's not able to get out of it. Jake Woodford comes on. He keeps the score at 4-3. to three. And then in the bottom of the third inning, it's Jordan Walker in to tie the game. Attacks him the wrong way as he singles up the middle. And that will tie the score as Gorman moves the third. An RBI single for Walker. A 15-game hitting streak for Walker and a 4-4 game. Did you notice how he hit that ball? How did he hit it, Randy? It was like a hard ground ball. Wow. And they, he didn't have the launch angle that they've been, been talking about? Well, it, it didn't result in it, what they wanted. It, they wanted more lift. It's intriguing, Randy. You know, he, he's not having the lift, but he's had a 12-game hitting streak and now a 15-game hitting streak. How does that work? I, I thought you had to hit the ball in the air in order for it to be a hit. Maybe he's just a good hitter. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's yeah. maybe just talented. Yeah. It's... It, Leave him alone. Just let him do what he does. He hits it hard, man. He does when, hit it hard. If he hits it on the ground, that ball was hit hard. And the Cardinals had a tie game. And then they get to the bottom of the fourth inning. Edmund is aboard. Donovan is aboard. Goldie at the plate. Serves it to right field. It is a base hit. Edmund rounds third. He's coming hard. The throw from Suzuki is. Donovan moves to third. It's an RBI single for Goldschmidt. And the Cardinals lead. And the Cardinals would never give up that lead. They win it by a score of 7-5. Good work by the bullpen after Libertor had allowed those four unearned runs. Woodford, Cabrera, Gallegos, Palante all throwing shutout ball. Hicks allowed a run in the ninth inning, and it was a 7-5 final. Offensively for the Cardinals, that uh, base hit by Donovan was a big one. A couple of RBIs for him. A four-hit day for Wilson Contreras. Cardinals also got RBIs from Gorman, who went two for three. And Walker, as you heard, he went one for three with a run scored and an RBI. Your starting pitching staff this past weekend, not great. I mm-hmm. mean, you have Wayno and Libertor combining for just five and a third innings pitched uh, for the rotation this weekend. That's not good, guys. And that's that was a deep concern for me this past weekend and a big takeaway. But a positive takeaway, Jake Woodford, his performance that entire weekend and the way that he was able to save that game on Sunday and at least give the offense a chance to come back into it. I think says a lot. It was also interesting, just diving back into Libertor a little bit, were you guys surprised that Ali Marmol kind of pulled the plug a little so quickly on Matthew Libertor? I wasn't simply because with a young pitcher like that and the, the short notice, he was given less than 24 hours notice, I, I kind of thought that they might try to make it somewhat of a bullpen game for him. Those are tough circumstances, even for a veteran pitcher, when you find out less than a day ahead of time that you're going to go. I know it sounds like, oh, you should be able to start, but you mentally prep over the course of four days to get ready for a start, and he hadn't had the opportunity to do that. And I would also think that Ali's thinking, okay, we're able to get through 56 pitches with this guy after he got five outs for us in the first inning. That was another reason I thought maybe uh, because they were getting to that point where he was going to have a third time through the lineup, I I, kind of thought that Ali might do it Actually, I thought he'd let him get through the third. I, I thought there might be more than two and a third. But once you get a runner aboard, then I wasn't surprised. Well, and it paid off. So yeah. in hindsight, it looks fantastic. Jake Woodford, specifically on Thursday, he pitched two and a third innings. And then that was right after going on Saturday in relief as well, going one and two thirds scoreless. He was huge for them. And then you pair that with Jordan Hicks, who, by the way, there is some sort of illness that's been going around in the clubhouse. That's why we didn't see Jordan Walker before the London series. He was sick. That's why he was on the bench. And there's some sort of illness going around. There's reports that Jordan Hicks was in the hotel room 
with a fever, feeling terrible. He took some antibiotics and was ready to go on Sunday. So his return was just massive for the Cardinals. He's a gamer. He is. He is a gamer. And, and I wanted to go back to what you were talking about earlier about the errors and the mistakes and even the plays that aren't errors. We talked about that all season long. Those are the things that have caused the Cardinals trouble, just not taking care of their business in the field. Sometimes it's pitching, sometimes it's hitting, sometimes it's fielding, and for whatever reason, stars, guys that you know have made plays, are capable of making plays, aren't making those plays. That has to be frustrating for this team because when you're when you're superstars, your gold glove winners aren't making the plays that they are accustomed, that you're accustomed to seeing them make. How do you correct that? Like when you got guys that aren't normally playing the position okay that guy is not an everyday player but when you got your superstars not making those plays it becomes very difficult to figure out how to be a good team wins confidence you hope that 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 comes along with it but it is weird when you see a guy like Noah Ar yeah. Arnato make as many mistakes as you've seen this season and maybe that's just him getting in his head it seems like a lot of the guys are pressing but that's what I just felt like this weekend right I felt like it was a two-headed monster and Saturday it was kind of encapsulating what we've seen this season the bad where you had some bad pitching you had some weird things going on the bats not coming alive and then Sunday you hope is kind of the good side of that monster where it's like you've seen the ability that they have shown in recent games where they can come back but what what is what who are they yeah who are they <laughs> which which monster are we getting this are we just going to continue to see this two-headed monster where it's really good and really bad well we'll find out this week when they play houston and and the yankees coming to town by the way this year nolan arenado a minus three in terms of defensive run saved. He's always been among the leaders in baseball. If you look at his career, it's he's always been towards the top of the league. Well, last year he was a plus 19. Year before that, plus 6. Every year he's played in the majors, it was plus 13, 23, 12 runs saved, 17, 13, 22. This is his first minus year. He's fallen from 19 runs saved for the Cardinals to allowing three, a minus three this year. And that's got to be alarming for the ball club. Other things that happened during the course of this weekend, Jeremy Rutherford with a great job of reporting the Blues with a trade in limbo. They were prepared to trade Tory Krug and a first-rounder to Philly for center Kevin Hayes and defenseman Travis Sanheim and a bunch of money that Philadelphia would pick up. So far, Krug has invoked his no-trade clause, the deal in limbo, and it looks as if Tory Krug is going to utilize that no-trade clause. This is why players get no-trade clauses, so they can't be traded. So he's using the tools that he has so that he doesn't have to go to Philly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I still see a world where that could potentially pan out. I was telling you before the show started that as soon as I saw that they signed Scott Perunovic to an extension, I said, okay, well, what does this mean for Tory Krug? Because I see them essentially as the same player. I know that we've seen Scott Perunovic banged up but when it comes to their role, Perunovic is more an offensive guy, kind of that quarterback with the power play mm -hmm. unit. And what is Tory Krug? That's, same exact thing. Same exact thing. So and I, small. And, Both and small. I, yes, I, I was going to try to avoid that. I, I think people well, could see that they're small, so I was going to try to leave, leave that part out of it. <laughs> diminutive. <but laughs> yeah, that's a rock word. I should have known that that was Thank coming. You. But as soon as I saw that that extension happened, I knew that there would be some sort of move made. Tory Krug, him not wanting to move it was something that I probably was a little surprised about Philly not a team that he wants to go to I still see something where they could work something out maybe Philly flips him to more of a desirable situation but I think that also means that you could still get Hayes Sanheim I don't see that that is going to be a part of this deal anymore. right he's got a 50 million dollar yes. 
contract that he's working through. And the Blues obviously like him, but I'm, I'm with you, Brooke. I think it'll be hard to, for the Blues to fit him under the cap. Congratulations to City SC, just decimated by injuries. But Sam Adeneron, who we've seen just do dynamic things all year long, not really, uh, he showed up on Saturday and scored two goals. He, he was with the San Antonio essentially minor league team, shows up on Saturday morning, and Matthew, you said he was, uh, at 9 in the morning, he was called up, and at 9 at night, he had two goals? That's when it hit the media, so I'm assuming it it happened a little bit earlier, but that's when the media knew that he was getting recalled from his loan, was 9.01 a.m. on Saturday, and then less than 12 hours later, he was sitting there with a brace. Sam Adenarov with a couple of goals, St. Louis City SC over San Jose, 2-1. Great job by Roman Berkey, who will join us later on in the show, and St. Louis City, again, rolling in in the MLS Western Conference. We're off and running from Whitmore Country Club here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, things we love from the weekend. It's coming up next. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. On the opening drive from Whitmore Country Club, site of the Folds of Honor Golf Tournament today, it's time for Things We Loved About the Weekend. Number two. All right, CD. So we all were there Saturday for the Big League Impact event, um, the London Watch Party. I thought it was a spectacular job. This is my second Big League Impact event that I've gone to, and I thought, you know, they do a fantastic job. The fans were extremely excited to be there. Great contests, great giveaways. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the Cardinals didn't perform well, but all in all, I thought it was a great event, great cause, and uh, Wayno does a lot of great things in the community and great things for, for our city and, and abroad, so I thought that was a great time, great event for us to be at and, and for them to put on. And the fact that people stuck around to it, which I know that you pay for events, so you might just say, well, of course you're going to stick around, but nice. people stuck around. We still had fun. People were very interactive. Yeah. It, it, I mean, especially after around the 6th or 7th day, <laughs> yeah. we were all looking like, oh, I think it's yep. going to start clearing out. But they did stick around. And, C.D., you mentioned the great things that Adam Wainwright has done for this community and the world now for 18 years. He's been a part of world champions. He's literally given his body to this team and these fans. And for those fans that went on Twitter to rip him personally and cause Adam Wainwright to deactivate his Twitter account, yeah. shame on you. What an awful person and sad person you must be if you're going on and ripping a guy who has given as much as he has. And at the age of 41, 42, he wanted to do one more thing for Cardinal yeah. fans. He obviously is physically not capable of doing it anymore. The, the the spirit is willing, the body is not. But we should be celebrating the home stretch of a great Cardinal career. And for those of you that are personally ripping Adam Wainwright, Shame on you. Yeah, I, I mean, if I'm if I were to come to Adam's defense, I would just tell him I, I wouldn't worry about it because most of those people have never, will never, could never do the things that you've done, and I, I wouldn't concern myself with what we call them trolls, people that are just yeah. scrolling the internet, being uh, dismissive, being disrespectful, because the, the the odds of that person saying something to you in your face. Are, are, are slim to none. My so, suggestion would be to take a look in the mirror and say, you know what? I need to be more like Adam Wainwright. Yeah, yeah, probably. But I, again, I, I, I don't, as a, as a professional athlete, we understand what comes with the territory. We understand when we perform poorly, people are going to say things. But again, they don't have any control of anything. They, they yeah. would never be able to right. be in the positions that you're in. So 
you know, why, why worry about it? And last thing, just moving on from this afterwards, is that I, I always look at it as miserable people are the only ones who react in that way. A sane, normal, rational person would know that it's absolutely absurd. I, you can go on there and say, yes, it was a bad game. Those are fair things. But to take things, because I, I saw it on social media too. We all saw it where some people take things to a personal level. I, I've seen people, you know, even reach out to a player's family member, you know, their wives, their children, you know, other people they know who they're associated with. Social media is great in the way it gives you access to some of your favorite people more than ever before, but you shouldn't abuse that access exactly. and harass people. That's the issue. Well, my number two thing on a positive note is Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker performing the way that he did during this London series. Yes, we're going to do a round of applause for Jordan Walker. He was the designated hitter this weekend, and he was fantastic. We talked about CD, that 15-game hitting streak. Mm -hmm. On Saturday's game, he broke up the no-hitter with a leadoff single in the fifth inning. And then on Sunday, he delivered with a game-tying single in the third inning. If there's one thing, no matter what happens this season, if there's one thing I am so excited about this season with the Cardinals, it's Jordan Walker. Him coming up, performing in this way, gets me excited about the future, what he's able to do, and what he's going to be able to do for a long time for the Cardinals. I agree. I mean, it, it's exciting. It's unfortunate that they even sent him down. Uh, we we may just, understand that that's a little bit of so manipulation yeah. of time uh, of service. So service time, service time. Yeah. That, that may be How what dare that you, purpose. Sir? I'm just being honest. I mean, it wasn't any of any. It wasn't anything else. He's still doing the same thing. The he launch was doing. angle, yeah, oh, yeah. CD. Uh, the it's launch been so much angle. better since he's been back. I mean, it's been awesome to watch. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's done a fantastic job. So, you know, hopefully, you know, we, we continue to see him for years to come. You know what's weird is that when I was growing up, batting average was a big thing and hitting 300 was a big thing. The, the only Cardinal that's hitting 300 is is Jordan Walker. Huh. And, and by the way, 366 on base, 475 slug, 841 OPS, and he's 21 years and, old. And real quick, I was listening to A-Rod on the, on the broadcast, and he was talking about it. He said, I would t t have, have young hitters talk to Barry Bonds, talk to Albert Pujols, talk to me. We didn't care about launch, launch angle. No. All of those guys have a lot of home runs in their yeah. career. <laughs> they're, they're all in the – well, A-Rod is right there in the 700 Club. Those guys have done a fantastic job. I don't think it matters. No. It's, it's amazing to talk to people who actually did play about analytics. It's almost 100% the people that actually played. They aren't worried about launch angle. It's the people that – didn't play yes. that are concerned about launch angle and stuff like that that are sending players out. Guys, my number two is MLB getting the London series so right. It was almost universal among media members and fans that we had a chance to see be interviewed that Major League Baseball did a fantastic job with the London series and getting people over there, having it be a fun event, having the games be fun. They drew 55000 for each game and the games were good and sometimes I'm skeptical when sports try to globalize but baseball and we don't say this about Rob Manfred very much but they did it right and they did it very very well this weekend. I agree. I, I do think that those things are great for growing the game. I understand how hard it is and you mentioned before like when the NFL when you guys went to Tokyo how hard it is yeah. on the players because it disrupts your normal schedule but it's great for growing the game. The amount of fans that went out there amount of Cardinals fans that yeah. went out there was, was amazing to see. The only concern that I have and, and it will be a and I, I'll knock on wood because the field at times I told you when we were yeah. watching that game how, how many batters 
slipped out of the batter's box, how bouncy the, the field was. Those are the things that concern athletes. You know, playing abroad, playing in different places is awesome as long as the field is up to date and it's uh, it's yeah. maintained in the way that we're accustomed to playing on. I grew up with a bouncy turf. I kind of liked it. <laughs> I, 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 I agree. <laughs> I love watching that too. Number one. All right, CD. My number one was last night. I got to go watch a fantastic movie, Spider-Man Across the Ver- uh, What is it? Across the Spider-Verse? It was... I-, I don't normally get into cartoons. This is for my kids. They... I was like on the edge of my seat. It's one of the best movies I've seen in a very long time. It was outstanding. It was a cliffhanger. It left everyone just waiting for more, and then it ended, and you're like, oh, my God, no. No, 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 no. So I won't give any details because obviously it just came out, but it was a it was well worth it. My kids loved it. Everyone enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. Love it. Matthew, so you want to weigh in here? cartoon? Yeah, yes. just get, get ready for an anime. Get ready for an animation to win a, some real awards. It's, cool. it's, wow. it's, it's an Oscar level, yes. Oscar level movie. And it it's just because just it's animation good. doesn't mean people should should yeah. uh, throw it off. Okay. My number one would be on Friday night, guys. I, I told you guys I was really looking forward to it, and I did fail you because you I, oh. I was talking about getting a fedora. I did not oh. have time to go get a fedora, but I did have the time of my life. Going to see Fallout Boy Friday night at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. I wonder if any of our listeners also were out there, if you'll text in. That was seriously such a good concert. The way that, you know, you've gone to some concerts and they don't change the set design. Maybe they'll move from one side of the stage mm-hmm. to the other. They constantly were changing the set design the budget seemed like it was endless because they put in a lot of money there was fireworks pyrotechnics they had like this huge like dog head that they brought out at one point they had bubbles and i i don't know it was a fantastic show patrick the lead singer the way that he has a really really good voice the way that he was able to just continue and carry on without many breaks was super impressive it was a great concert i love the fact that you guys were entertained this weekend yeah. It's great. Movies, concerts, it's <laughs> awesome. I, I was uh, entertained, and my number one is I didn't think that there was a way for Doug Armstrong to be aggressive in trying to rebuild the blues. And this weekend, he at least tried to be aggressive. Not by, done yet. Not done yet, uh, but trying to get the big center that they need in Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes is a quintessential Craig Berube bottom six player. He would be a yes. great fit here. Travis Sanheim is a guy, and obviously the Army has had some difficulty in acquiring defensemen, but Sanheim is a guy that is loaded with talent if he has uh, if he gets coached up and he's been a, in a bad situation since day one in Philadelphia that's been a bad franchise with all kinds of turnover in the coaching staff. Sanheim is another guy that would be very intriguing here. The Blues willing to give up willing to obviously give up Tory Krug and have that salary taken on and a lot of financial machinations that have to take place for this deal to happen. But I really admire the aggressiveness of Doug Armstrong because not making the playoffs is completely unacceptable for that franchise. And that's what that signaled to me. We, we've been discussing and debating on if this is going to be kind of a retooling, rebuilding, and it's going to take a while if we're going to see the Blues be successful. But with him trying to make those moves, those aggressive moves, as you mentioned this weekend, tells me that, yes, they're building for the future. They're still building things around Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, the the young stars, but they're also making sure they'll still be successful now, and that's what those moves indicate. Yeah, I mean, I I, I want to know how much these moves will help this this team going forward. Obviously, we need center position was a need for this team, is a need for this team. Defensemen were, were we were talking about which one of those guys were going to be here, or if they were all going to be here, or, or, or one of them would be moved. 
So I wonder how these moves would help if it does eventually go through. Let's hope that they do and the Blues can make the first big move of the NHL offseason. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We are at Whitmore Country Club, site of the 2023 Folds of Honor Golf Tournament. Coming up... We know what we missed out on with Jack Flaherty's health issues, but what did he miss out on? That's coming your way here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Twenty nineteen was an interesting season for pitchers. Garrett Cole was fantastic for Houston. They went to the World Series. They lost to the Washington Nationals. But after that season, Cole signed a nine-year, three hundred twenty-four million dollar deal with the Yankees. That very same season, down the stretch, Jack Flaherty, in his second year with the Cardinals, was as good as it gets. His second half was record-setting. A seven and two record after the All Star break. A zero point nine one ERA. One hundred twenty-four strikeouts to ninety-nine in the third innings. It really was the the second best second half in the history of the sport. And I was thinking when Jack Flaherty uh, turned down arbitration, just decided to accept the Cardinals offer in 2020 that, okay, he's looking at that Cole contract and thinking after 2023, I can get the, the $324 million deal that Cole has gotten. Well, now Jack Flaherty has a hip injury. In the last four seasons, he's made nine starts. Now, that was the COVID season, but still only made nine starts. Made 15 starts in 2021, about half a season of starts. Eight starts last year and 15 this year, and now he has the hip injury. And I guess it goes to show for these pit players, the, the young players that signed the big contracts early on, and people say, well, why would you sign that when you could have gotten X in free agency? There's never the guarantee in free agency three, four, five years down the road. And that's what Jack Flaherty is looking at right now. If this injury winds up being something that causes him to not make starts, he's already got an earned run average of 4.95. He's got a 4-5 and five record. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem like he'll get to, well, he, there's no way he'll get to the Garrett Cole contract. He'll probably be more like Michael Walker after 2019 mm-hmm. and sign the one-year contract and try to prove it in 2023, 2024. Yeah, you want to, I mean... It's unfortunate just the, the amount of injuries that he's dealt with, the types of, of things that have taken place. You want the, the 2019 Jack Flaherty. We're all waiting for that person. And you've said it time and time again, when it's a shoulder injury, generally speaking, you're probably not going to get that version. The hip tightness, I, I, I don't con- that's not too much of a concern for me. I mean, it, it, could be, uh, it could be anything. Just soreness, tightness, that doesn't si- signal a red flag for me saying that he's going to miss a significant amount of time. He had to miss the start in London. But I don't think that that's going to be a prolonged injury where we see him missing tons of starts because of it. But just the, the amount of injuries that 
you know, you start to feel like they're piling up and you start to be concerned about him in terms of him signing that big contract because every single player wants to get to that free agent time where they can sign the big contract, go wherever they want to go, just have the options. And right now, his options are going to be limited due to the injuries that he's had. 100%. And that's what's going to be interesting to watch this weekend. If he needs to go on IL, I think the story charts starts to change a lot for Jack Flaherty and his trade value. But teams do get desperate. We, we do see teams get desperate, especially as you get closer and closer to the trade, trade deadline. And you have Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty, two pitchers who are definitely going to test the waters. We know with Jordan Montgomery, he's a Scott Boris client, so he's definitely going to test the waters uh, when it comes to free agency. So what are you going to get for either one of those? And what position are the Cardinals going to be in when it comes to where are you going to get the most value out of either one of those guys? Because they're definitely going to dangle both of those guys out there. Right. I, there's no doubt about that whatsoever. With Jack Flaherty, I think his age helps. If he's able to stay healthy, that helps as well, too. But this morning, I was thinking about somebody kind of comparable, and I wanted to see what you guys thought about this. Tyler Malley, last season, the Reds traded him to the Twins, and I know that right now it's not working out great. He's going to get Tommy John surgery, so he's out. But that's a player who is 27 years old, same age as Jack Flaherty right now, and they were able able to get three prospects, including one that's doing real, really well for them right now for the Red Spencer Steer. Is that something that you think the Cardinals will be looking into possibly? Uh, and it seems like teams do get desperate where they might need a piece like a Jack Flaherty or even a Jordan Montgomery. I absolutely think that that's something that the Cardinals should look at because I'm not confident at this stage with the Cardinals being eight and a half back that they're going to come back and win the division in large part because of the ineffectiveness of Jack Flaherty because he's not a number one guy. So yeah, I'm at that stage where I would be inclined if I were the Cardinals to look for a deal like that. And there are teams out there, like Tampa Bay just lost Shane McClanahan. Tampa can fix pitchers. They've done it in the past. Uh, you look at Minnesota. They have been able to many times fix pitchers. Uh, Texas hasn't had any significant injuries, but they did lose Jacob deGrom. If you're Texas and Mike Maddox knows Jack Flaherty better than anybody, maybe you make a move to go get a guy like Flaherty. I think there will be, uh, I don't think there will be any shortage of suitors to the Cardinals for Jack Flaherty, but I, I'm sure that what other teams are looking at right now is the way Jordan Montgomery performed primarily for the Yankees and the way he's, the way he's performing now, the way Flaherty yeah. is performing. They're saying, well, the, the Cardinals just don't do it right. We can fix a guy. They, yeah, they, they, do, they do see that. I, I think with Jack, it's going to be, I mean, this is just a tough time for him. I mean, personally, in, in terms of your career, because you're in a position where you could make a lot of money, but if you aren't pitching well or performing well, maybe you do get traded. Maybe you still get traded at the deadline, but that doesn't guarantee a huge contract next year. And again, that's what every player, it, it's not greed. It's just what we work for. It's, it's the ability to become a free agent and to have multiple suitors coming after you trying to, you know, pay you for your services. And if he's not performing and he's injured and not being able to do the things that we think he can do, thinking you can do it and being able to show that you can do it are two totally different things. And he hasn't been able to show it on a consistent basis. And so I think his market value is just going to continue to to fall un unfortunately for him and it can go either way because somebody already texted in lisa texted in waka was just named the pitch
the month. So you could go in the way where it really works out for Jack Flaherty, or in this case, Michael Wonka, where you are able to prove yourself, prove your worth, or it could go in the direction of Alex Reyes. I mean, mm -hmm. remember Alex Reyes and how mm -hmm. he was a big name and then he's been injury plagued. You hate to see that for a player, but he can go in either, either direction. So it'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals do in this. And somebody did text in saying, you know, during spring training, Jordan said that he would love an extension here in STL. Why is there talk about him going to free agency so much unless he lied? Did we offer an extension? He turned it down. He's a Scott Boris client. Randy, you mentioned it yep. as well. Scott Boris clients, they're not going to sign an extension during this season. He takes and, them into the competitive marketplace. Yes, and you might get to a point where if if Jack Flaherty, you're not getting much response with what you need pieces-wise that you deem that you could help fix this season or even going into next season. Jordan Montgomery is somebody that a lot of teams would be interested in, and if you're talking about getting a haul, that might be a name that works out better. Yeah, he, he actually probably at this point, simply because he's healthy, would be a better fit for most contending teams than Flaherty. And by the way, back to Waka, that was my comp in 2019. He left the Cardinals for $3 million for one year, and since 2019 with the Cardinals, he spent 2020 with the Mets, 21 with Tampa, 22 with Boston, and 23 with the Padres. I would think that's probably closer to the trajectory that Jack Flaherty is on rather than the, the Garrett Cole trajectory. That's just my guess. It's just tough because you're parting with uh, you know, a pitcher who is kind of homegrown in the sense of somebody that's been through your organization. And something that we've been talking about is their ability to develop pitchers, if, that, if that's still there, and to be able to retain that talent, develop them properly, that is tough to see a guy like that walk away. But at this point, it, it just seems like that, the writing on the wall with that. Yeah, and here's the, uh, another part of this, and I've mentioned this a lot when Oscar Tavares passed away. The Cardinals expected that in 2015, 16, 17, 18, that Oscar Tavares was going to be their number three hitter and Alan Craig was going to be their number four hitter. Well, in, in about 2016, they expected that in 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, maybe 23, that the front of the Cardinal rotation was going to be Reyes and Flaherty. Yeah. And they've gotten nothing yeah. it, uh, nothing but shoulder injuries yep. out of those guys. It's unfortunate. I mean, that the best ability is availability. And if yep. you're injured, often injured, and, and just can't get over that hump, I, I know from, from personal you know, history, just understanding when you're injured and trying to fight through it, Sometimes it just does not respond in the way that you want it to. It's, it's not that he's not trying. Oh, it's no. not that he's not working hard to, to stay healthy, but it just isn't going in the manner in which he wants it to. And, and that is the bottom line in this, in this business. If you're not performing to the level of someone else, you're not going to get paid the contract that other people are getting. A healthy Jack Flaherty, I'm convinced, gets the Garrett Cole contract. If he's healthy for his yeah. career as a Cardinal, he's in line now for $324 million over nine coming out of this season. A healthy Jack Flaherty and this team isn't last in the NL Central. That's true. Yep. So that, exactly. it's all going yep. hand in hand. Yeah, and it's, it, yeah, his pitching ability is not in question. Just his health yeah. is the only thing that's in question. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO! We have Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. 
It is time for Teoli on 101 ESPN. The number to text 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! Matthew Rockyu not participating this morning Again. for some reason. Again. Second yeah. time. Yes. Disappointing. The death uh, stairs does do nothing for him. I was death staring care. Yeah. I was death staring uh, Carrie already, so I had to keep it, I had to keep it straight. Uh, speaking of disappointing. Uh, we're at the Folds of Honor Golf Tournament here at Whitmore Country Club, and uh, we're going to have 404 golfers this afternoon raising money for Folds of Honor. And my friend George Arft, who started this tournament several years ago, during the break brought by a plate with four Krispy Kreme donuts on it, and Carrie and Brooke both oh, declined. Don't Take call us it. out. You're just a little disappointed in yourselves for turning down a Krispy Kreme. Um I'm going to leave that. Oh. I'm proud of myself. It's discipline, right, CD? It, it we're, is. We're, yeah. It's self-discipline because, well, honestly, I didn't have any discipline this weekend. So there this is go. why I'm in the position I'm in exactly. now because so I ate terribly if, this weekend. <laughs> if you guys walk out on the back patio, you'll see a million American flags. During the opening ceremonies, we're going to have bagpipes. We're going to have an eagle. We're going to have a Clydesdale. This is the essence of Americana that we're dealing with as our Krispy Kremes. And what you guys did is you turned down Americana. Oh, no. Oh, don't say that. Yes, you did. Don't, the week, don't, don't say uh, that. On, on the, the week before the 4th of July. Oh, no. The, the essence of Americana. Definitely not our intention. We just, we just try, we're oh, trying not, to be better I'm, I'm not calling you non-patriotic. What I'm saying is. I don't know. That's kind of what you're insinuating is that we're not patriotic. It feels like it. <laughs> it feels like it. Okay. Is there anything more American than a Krispy Kreme? Uh, America. Well, I don't know. Is it wrong? Because... <laughs> Oh, he's quiet. His mic isn't working. I don't for some like. Reason. I don't, yeah, he doesn't, you don't like he doesn't Krispy Kreme. Like no, no, I have no problem with Krispy Kreme. I don't like glazed donuts. Oh, he doesn't what? like glazed donuts. It's so it, much it's sugar. Oh. Now that's so American. Like Do you that just is. eat okay. cake donuts? Okay, that is. Okay. <laughs> I, we th- we don't have like, time to even dive into yeah. that. That's by the way, uh, <laughs> it is very. Give me a chocolate long john. Yeah, there was a a Chevy introduced a car. In 1980, it was the first Chevy of the 80s. I don't even remember what car it was, but the song was Baseball, Hot Dogs, Apple Pie, and Chevrolet. Well, they didn't have Krispy Kremes. So it, it, gotcha. if they would have had Krispy Kremes, it would have been Baseball, Hot Dogs, Apple Pie, and Chevrolet and Krispy Kremes. There you go. So Because that would have just been the essence of patriotism yeah. in America. Maybe somebody needs to text him. What is the most American food it's a that do- you can hot think dog. Of? At the same time, Krispy Kreme is a donut a place that has dog, a drive-through. Yeah. That's, a, I mean, that's America right uh, there. Can, can a... Uh, Something that is a Frankfurter be, uh, because it's like German, isn't it? Can that be the American? I think it's a hamburger. I, I, think, I think it's a hot dog. I think it, I, Although I think Hamburg like is Germany, too, is it not? Dog. I think a hot dog is. Okay, text. Yeah, yeah. text it. Hot oh. dog, yeah. I, I think, it, I mean, ballparks, yeah. 4th of July, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about Jack Flaherty and his injuries and, and how that may affect him come free agency time. But Jordan Hicks is a player that has been performing extremely well his last couple of outings, his last opportunities to save games. He's 4-0 in those games. He has potential and coupled potential with with results generally generally leads to a lot of money. Take it or leave it, Jordan Hicks makes somewhere in the range between 8 to $14 million per season going forward. Uh, 100% take it. Yep. Is he going to – because Kenley Jansen is at – what is he that? He got $90 million, right, over five? Yeah, which is about what? 16 a year. Is that, is yeah. that, is that so, correct? Yeah, so I could absolutely – and Hicks obviously doesn't have the, the long history that, uh, and the durability that Jansen enjoyed. But I, I would say that Hicks is probably looking at 32 over four, This maybe 40 over yeah. five this offseason. I can see that, especially in Ooh. the position that they are in right money. now and what he's been able to do. That, that you can't is, uh, you can't lose another bullpen arm. 
well, I, I, he's gonna he's gonna have some suitors. Yeah, a, a lot of them. You don't you don't find people that are 27 years old already had Tommy John surgery and can throw 104 miles per hour with movement. He's gonna get paid a lot of money, and the Cardinals are gonna have to open up their pocketbook if they want to keep. Him. Absolutely, they are. Good for him. I agree. All right, take it or leave it, guys. They are not done. Doug Armstrong is not done moving these pieces around. Take it or leave it. Tory Krug will still be on the move. They're just going to kind of sweeten the deal a little bit, possibly flip him with a, still a deal with the Flyers where you're going to get uh, Hayes in return. But they also might add another defenseman. Yeah, I'll take that. Just to... Uh, to get to, Sanheim still. Yeah, yeah especially the Sanheim effect. I'm just intrigued to see what they do. You know, they got three first-round dra- first draft picks. What if... If they are going to go in that route, or, or as we've seen, they're trying to make a trade, actively trying to make a trade and move some people. I want to see how these moves work and how much they help this team. Because defensively, to me, that was the one thing that they struggled with. Both, you know, forwards getting back and helping out mm-hmm. defensively. Defensemen actually being aggressive and physical in the D zone. They, they were not. It was a lot of times that that was lacking. And, and poor Jordan Bennington was left out to dry often. So I, I want to see how well... This team jails how well they mesh. I think offensively, they're going to be able to score a lot of goals. I love Casperi uh, Kapanen and, and Verona when they got here. I thought those two guys were stellar, and, and, and Verona can fly. So it's fun to watch him. So I, I think it's going to be a good team offensively. Just how well do they mesh in jail defensively? So I forgot about this, too. Somebody from the 636 just texted in and said, Krug has been liking stuff on Twitter of Bruins fans saying bring him back. I forgot about this. There is, of course, sometimes maybe looking into social media a little bit too much, but Krug did remove all references of the Blues from his social media. So he used to have like a Blues banner in his Twitter bio. You know how you can do that. He got rid of that. Uh, He's been liking some Bruins things. So I don't know. Maybe you look into that a little bit too much, but I don't know. The Bruins don't have the cap space to bring him back. Yeah. And they actually, they're probably too good to bring him back. <laughs> Matthew, what do you got? Take it or leave it. Army makes a deal by the end of the day. Oh, by the end it. of the day. Leave it. Mm. I'm going to go by the end of Thursday. I'll go by the end of Friday, there by the end of the week. I think it will take a little bit more time. Fair enough. Take it or leave it. Cardinals go 9-4 and four before the All-Star break and are five games out. Uh, I believe the Yankees series obviously a little bit different now with the Aaron Judge news. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. Yeah, a, little different. I, a little different. I want to be optimistic. I ah. really do. I really, really do. But I I don't know. That that might be two sunshine and lollipops. You have the Astros, Yankees, uh, Marlins. My, um, my optimism Do we play anybody else? Uh, White Sox. Okay. Well, there you go. So they maybe they because they lost two out of three for those other three series. So maybe take two out of three from the White Sox. So that's two, three, four, five. That's five wins. That's not enough. That's not nine and four. Okay. They got Miami. That's in there five well. and. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to leave. That that's one. five and eight. <laughs> yeah. Darn it! It's just. Hey, on a My bright side. Is, is dissipating with this Cardinals team. Yeah. Game by game. So you're yeah. you're buying into the two-headed monster, the ugly uh, side it, of that it, monster. I'm buying into the fact that what I see day in and day out is a team that does not take care of business enough, and they aren't going to win many games. They're going to be. They're going to hover. They'll end up being a few games under 500 unless they just hit a you know hit a hot streak yep which uh, i don't know how that's gonna happen
Take it or leave it. Berkey and Binnington need to become friends. Both of these guys stand on their heads. The killer bees. Yes, absolutely. I'll take that as well. I I would love to hear what those conversations would be like. The clean sheet twins. (laughs) (laughs) Clean sheet twins. I like that. And they're both, I mean... Also, just two of the most intense people yeah. I've yes. ever seen playing a sport. Maybe, maybe that's what they need to play table tennis or something I was like say, that Berkey for the first time. I was going to go Berkey versus Bennington staring contest. Mm-hmm. Just to see. I, I really Ooh, honestly blitz. think that'd be a solid 35-minute presentation. <laughs> or like a – who, who would you take who would be the most competitive out of the two? That, that's, that would be tough. Berkey's intense. He feels like, yeah. Bennington's crazy. <laughs> so you're going to take the crazy card. Absolutely, I'm taking the crazy and card. And we mean every crazy in the time. nicest way possible, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> He's a goalie. He's an odd cookie. You That's the be, bottom you line. You got to be a little crazy to play, to To, to, to do take that. pucks to, to the yeah, body, like face, just, head. Just yeah. to stand there and allow people to shoot pucks at you. Ah, Different breed not, of human. Not my thing. I mean, do I look nervous? And, the, and like two weeks before that, he was. Like two hands slashing some AHL player from behind because he scored too many goals on him. <laughs> like the go. guy, the guy just—he's—he's he's incredible in so many ways. Take it or leave it. Fourth of July planning for food should always include grilled burgers and fresh cut watermelon. Take it. I'll take it. Uh, I'll take that. But more things, right? Like mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. more, more, you start more with food. that. He's saying that's the beginning. That's yeah. the open. Okay. That's the opening salvos. Uh, take it or leave it. From the 2023 rotation, only Miles Michaelis is back next year. Oh. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to no, leave that Matthew because Levitore what about Matthew Levitore? Matthew isn't going anywhere. Matt, well, no. he's, is he in the rotation now? Uh, or is he in, still in the bullpen? Mm-hmm. The texture did fail to stipulate the current starting rotation or the opening day rotation. Yeah, yeah. I would think he's in the – I just think he's going to be in the in the bullpen yeah. unless okay, things so, get better. Yeah, Wainwright, Flaherty, um, Montgomery. Montgomery all gone. So Levitore yeah. will be back. Yeah. So, yeah. Take it or leave it. Larsa Pippen and Marcus Jordan no. need to do a documentary with Phil Jackson narrating it. No. Oh, yes. No. Take it. Yeah. I, I'll I'll take that. That. I gotta I'll leave that. that. No. I gotta leave that. No. I need the saga narration to takes end. It to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> I just need like periodic parts where he like it's Phil Jackson talking to them and he's like handing them books. Here, I really think you guys need to read this one. And it's a it's a parenting book. It's a relationship book here and there. Um, blue. Take it or leave it. Blues get a major deal done and only lose one of and only lose one lower first round pick so that would be the 25th and the 29th yeah I'll that's take what it. Uh, yeah. yeah i'm gonna that take was, it that, that's was the, that was the deal what are they going to do with that 10th pick are they are they going are they drafting oh the yeah, yeah. Guy? oh they're yeah. gonna yeah. yeah that'll be yep waiting for it's that years. lower first round pick that they're looking to move as a part of this mm-hmm. yeah. potential player deal. available you know you don't think they can trade that one and move up a little bit nah no, I, not, not I, I think that they would. I don't. I don't think those lower picks hold enough value to get gotcha. to where because apparently it's essentially a five-player draft, and then six through ten are all the same. So gotcha. you, you, if you have the tenth, you trade up to six, and you basically get the same type of prospect. Okay. Take it or leave it. There needs to be a Fourth of July food draft this week. Here's the thing: we always do a Fourth of July food draft mm-hmm. or food draft. I was going to throw out a different thing that I thought Carrie might like. Okay. Instead of us doing a Fourth of July food draft, Carrie, ready for this one? Five picks. I'm gonna need you to build your playlist for your Fourth of July food for your Fourth of July oh. cookout, barbecue, what so have you. 
That's what I'm thinking about changing it up. We always do food. Maybe throw in a little music. I love the food I actually one. do like that. I do like food, yep. though. There you go. Maybe we do <laughs> both. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always like to see the controversy right, of fine. how people we'll build things one. with we'll no vegetables we'll or anything. food, and you got to pair a song with yep. it. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, if the Blues got a little too far in handing out no trade clauses, that's coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Eight oh three in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The St. Louis Blues spent the last several summers under the the cloud of Vladimir Tarasenko demanding a trade and having a no trade clause so that he could determine where he wanted to go. The Blues never got to the point of asking Tarasenko if he would want to go to Calgary in a deal for Matthew Kachuk because Florida swooped in and and took Matthew Kachuk, but the Blues. Would have been in a tough situation. Tarasenko likely would not have accepted a trade to uh, to the Calgary Flames. Now, you're going to give a player of his stature a no-trade clause, but right now the Blues has, have eight players with full no-trade clauses and one more with a modified no-trade clause. And that's a third of your roster that you have to go to and say, okay, would you accept a trade? It seems like the Blues are just doing a little bit too much of that. When you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, they don't have as many full no-trade clauses. Now, they do have multiple non-movement clauses. Boston has not given out regular no-trade clauses. They have a couple of no-movements. But the the straight no-trade clauses, and by the way, a no-movement clause, you can't be traded either. It's way more binding. Yeah, but those teams overall aren't as hindered by players that have those sorts of clauses. The really good teams in the league are not as hindered. And I just get the sense that the Blues have kind of gone too far in handing out the the no-trade clauses, even though they don't give out the no-move. This is another situation, though. This is three summers in a row where they're going to have to deal with having to try to to move a player that has a no-trade clause. Well, well, the thing that happens when you are a a player that is signing a new new contract, your agent says, well, you just gave, you set a precedent when you gave such and such a no-trade clause. We want the same thing in our contract as well. So now when you get to a position like what Tory Krug is right now where they want to trade you, no, I don't want to be traded. It is about, as a player, you want to have as much power as you possibly can. When your time comes up for you to be a free agent, for you to sign a contract to get X number of dollars, as many things as you can put in place to make sure that you are protected, that's what you do because we understand as players, the, the, the teams, they love you until they don't. And when they don't love you anymore, they try to move you. They try to release you. They try to trade you. They try to get rid of you by any means necessary to make their team better because it's about the team for everyone else. And as a player, you have to look after yourself and make sure you're taking care of yourself. So I don't have a problem with all of these guys that have no trade clauses. They earned it, which means they signed the contract, which means the team agreed to it. So it, it, it's a part of the business that – if the Blues don't want that in the contracts, then don't sign it. That's don't put the, it that's in That's my there. point. It's on the Blues to, to, to have allowed that to happen. And, and for Tory Crew to say, no, I don't. that's why you grabbed. That's yep. why you asked for it in case something like this comes up. And so good for him because that's as a player, that's what we want, to have some, some type of leverage, some type of power. Right, and that's why the Blues, I, I think, just need to be a little bit more judicious. Not saying they shouldn't give them out at all, but – 
Uh, look at a, a, a guy like Marco Scandella. Does Marco Scandella really need a, 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 a modified no trade, no, trade, no trade clause? Does, does Nick Letty need a no trade clause? It's the, do those players rise to the level where you say, okay, I want them here for that term, and I don't want to trade. I, I'm not going to want to trade them over the course of the next four, five, six, seven years. That's the question that the Blues have to ask themselves, and I think they've just given out too many of them. Well, and since the lockout, too, you've had the contracts that are being dished out in the NHL are getting crazier and crazier and more binding. So it's not just an expectation amongst the Blues where you hand out these no-trade clauses. You're seeing them more and more across the league as well. And the good with that is that it also, the position you're in, it you get that AAV down in the no-trade clauses, and you bring up Alex Petrangelo. That's that's always a big sticking point, especially when we bring up Tori Krug in this situation. Now, Alex Petrangelo was looking for a no-movement clause, which is way more binding and way mm-hmm. more in the player's favor. Doug Armstrong didn't want to hand that out because then you're in a position where other players will want that, say like a Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, as you're getting ready to sign them. But then it comes into question, would you be in this situation you're in right now with Tory Crew with the no trade clause and you're having difficulty moving him with a situation that you deem will make you more successful for next season and moving forward, would you be in this position if you had given Alex Petrangelo the no movement clause? You wouldn't. And the one thing that you can say is, you're right, Brooke, Thomas and Cairo and whomever else can walk, Pareko can walk in and say, well, you gave him a no-movement clause. I want a no-movement clause. Well, all the Blues had to do is say, well, once you become the first guy to hoist the cup in our team's history, then you can get a no-movement clause, too. Make him the guy. And what are they going to do? And by the way, if they want to wait and become free agents, if they want to risk it, they can become free agents. I think you also have to be careful with the no-movement clauses because you could become the Blackhawks, who who got stuck with Crawford, Keith, Seabrook, Taves, Kane, and that's why they had the first pick in the draft this past season, and they've been bad now for five years in a row, is because they had to keep players who had no-movement clauses who couldn't, by definition, be moved. Yes, and it's important to note that this deal is not completely done with Tory Krug. There is a big chance that they can still flip things and find some way to work this out with the Flyers. They might have to sweeten the pot a little bit with maybe a Marco Scandella, but once again, no trade clause involved with that. So you do have to get the players' consent. And and depending on whether or not this is a three-team trade, apparently Scandella does not have Philadelphia as part of his seven Mm. that he can't be moved to. And that's why that's a name that's being brought up in this conversation because then you can talk about still getting Sanheim as you originally wanted and you're still getting Hayes. Either way, Hayes, it looks like that's pretty clear that he's coming to St. Louis. It's whether or not they're going to be able to flip Tory Krug and also sweeten the pot with a Marco Scandella and the first round pick. Not the right. not the top first round pick, but the lower first round pick. And moving forward, it, honestly, I haven't had many issues with the no trade clauses and I saw a lot of people posting on social media like that's what Army gets for handing them out like candy where it's so easy. I get in a lot of ways because you could also argue that the Blues have been a successful organization so they can't be super reliant on always getting a first round pick. That's that's the good thing, right? That's a good thing. Yeah. And so then you're looking at you give the no trade clauses, you're able to get that AAV down. It it just really hurts in these situations where it was a deal that made sense, especially when you give Scott Perunovic that extension, and now you're stuck in this position where you're really going to have to part with more. Well, I think it would go back to whoever they gave the first no trade clause to, because again, when I'm an, if I'm an agent for a player that you want to resign, well, you just gave such and such a no trade clause. We want the same thing, and and you put 
Army in a position where I really need this guy on my roster, so I have to make this decision, even though it may bite me in the butt in the long run. I have to make this decision because right now I need this player, and agents are smart. Players are smart. We understand. Once you set that precedent for, for another player on the same team, same skill set, maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse, you gave them something. Now you have to put that in my contract as well, and, and Army's hands become tied because of it. And maybe the policy that they should abide by is giving no trade clauses to people that they know. They mm -hmm. traded for Justin Falk, gave him the no trade clause. He'd never played a game for the Blues. Signed Tory Krug, gave him the no trade clause. He'd never played yeah. a game for the Blues. Signed Nick Letty, gave him the no trade. He'd never played for the Blues. Yeah. Signed Buchnevich, gave him the no trade. He'd never played for the Blues. Gave Saad a no trade. He'd never played for the Blues. You didn't know what you were getting mm -hmm. in terms of what they were in the room. So maybe that's the issue, is giving the free agents. And you know what? If, if they say, you know what, I'm not coming unless I get the no trade. So what the hell? I don't get Brandon Saad? Breaks my heart. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it breaks your heart. What about Nick Letty? I can live without Nick Letty. <laughs> oh, oh my God, that's blasphemous! How dare you? How dare you, Randy? Now you've taken it too far. I, I think this will always be a sticking point. I think Doug Armstrong is a great general manager. Obviously, with what he was able to build and do over the years, I think something that is always going to stick out in people's minds is okay, fine with the no trade clauses or no, yeah, no trade clauses, but the no movement clause that is something that you probably. Could have potentially worked out with Alex Petrangelo, and we could be talking about a potential—I don't know—the statue in front of right. Enterprise Center, different things like that. But it seems like that relationship might not work out in the future. In Army's conversations, great three-part series in the Athletic with Jeremy Rutherford, he says he doesn't think about things like that. Well, I do, and, and I, so does everybody else. Yeah. So if he did have a do-over, that would probably be the one: is to give Petro the the no movement and have Petro rather than Krug and not have that $2.3 million or whatever it would have been. It probably would have been that much. It would have been more like a million three that more that they would have had to pay for Petro than Krug. And they were also banking on Colton Pareko. We've yeah. mentioned that a couple of times. They were banking on Colton Pareko really taking that next step. But honestly, it felt like last season, and we know he's battled with injuries, he played like a player that was afraid of getting hurt again. Yeah. And he did up his ice time. I, I totally get that, but I think they were banking on him taking that next step, and it just hasn't happened. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our bird watch from Whitmore Country Club, the site of the Folds of Honor Golf Tournament on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. All right, and we'll get things started with Kerry Davis. What do you got today? There we go. That birdie is out there. It's uh, out from Creepcore all the way out to Whitmore. Uh, so we <laughs> talked about Nolan Arenado and, and his fielding and the amount of errors has not been, you know, it's not been vast. It's not a, a number that you would say, okay, that's the issue. That's the main problem. But when I look at these stat cast numbers, and, I, and we're going uh, out above average. Last season, he was 14. Right now, he's negative two. And, and so that tells me that the outs that he's normally making, the outs that he's normally capable of making, he's making at a much lower rate than he had been in the past year. When you look at his success rate from last year, he was 73%. Right now, he's 65% which is the lowest he's had since 2016, 2017, which was 69. He is, he is 
progressively gotten worse in one year. I don't know if it's for me, it would be hard to believe that it would be an age thing because I don't think that that happens in a year span from 31 to 32. It doesn't normally happen that quickly. I don't know if it's a, a lack of, of just, you know, locked in and, and being, you know, being attentive the entire time. But something is happening to him defensively that, again, it's not, a, it's not the errors, but it's just the misplays that we normally see from Nolan Arenado that are not taking place right now. And, again, Randy, sometimes it could be just in your head. You start thinking so much about it that you start making plays or missing plays that you're normally accustomed to. I think he's going to have to get back to the basics, clear his brain. You know, when both things are going well, fielding and hitting, you see Nolan Arenado at his best right now. He's had slumps at the plate, which may affect his, field, his fielding. We have to get the best from Nolan Arenado in order for this team to, to, to push forward and have success in this season. And I can't figure out whether it's alarming or not. I think it is. Because I, I think he, it is. He is on the other side of 30. He's played a lot of ball. He's put, he works super hard, and there's only so many reps in a body. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think that from one year to the next you would have that drastic of a drop off in, in in one season, and that's a thirty one to thirty two year. It's not it's not thirty five to thirty six or thirty four to thirty five. Maybe that's when that happens, but I can't see that still early thirties like that. That that doesn't that's not meshing in my it's not making much sense in my brain right now. Well, and you've seen a lot of guys, not just Nolan Arenado also have down years defensively so you just hope that that's what it is that it's not necessarily just a Nolan Arenado specific age thing I know that he was injured during the World Baseball Classic you don't know if that factors into anything in his performance this season but it seems like he's not the only one a lot of guys have dropped defensively and what we've seen from them in recent years yeah and gold glove caliber guys platinum glove yeah. for for Nolan Arenado and performing this way it's hard to really understand what has changed so much and that's the thing. He's gone from platinum glove to well below average. Yes. My bird watch. I don't know if I have my birdie. will come in. There There's my little birdie. There's my little birdie. My bird watch is Jordan Higgs. I didn't know if we were going to be able to see him this weekend because he was battling an illness that was going through the Cardinals clubhouse. We know that that is what affected Jordan Walker and then Jordan Hicks getting it as well. John Denton with a great story, kind of what all Jordan Hicks had to go through in this London series. He was quite literally sick in bed on Saturday, not feeling well, uh, wasn't sure if he was going to be able to come out of the pen this weekend. And what he was able to do on Sunday was just huge for the Cardinals and huge for him. When you have the Cardinals with some uncertainty with the pitching staff in general or even in the bullpen, you have Ryan Helsley injured. You need guys to step up and seize the moment, seize the opportunity. You need everybody to do that on this team. And Jordan Hicks has been able to do that, especially with the way the things went early on this season. You you were wondering if this was even going to be anything, you know, season-wise, if this is something that you could even look at Jordan Hicks, that this would be a good season for him. But now he is seriously locked down that closer job with Ryan Helsley out. And even with Ryan Helsley's return, you're going to turn to Jordan Hicks in these high leverage situations and these close game situations. He went from not being able to handle high leverage situations, not having a save since 2019 to performing in this way. He saved four of the team's five wins on this road trip. 
That is huge, not just for Jordan Hicks, but for this team. It gives you some positivity when you're looking for a light at the end of the tunnel for this season. Especially on the heels of the way the homestand ended, right? With the home run by Yastrzemski off of Gallegos. And then the way that the Giants were able to beat the Cardinals in that last home game before they went on the road trip. They needed to settle down that back end of the bullpen. And it appears that they have done that with Jordan Hicks and his stuff. Now it's time for my bird watch. Thank you, little birdie. Guys, it is good to see... Nolan Gorman making the adjustment back, and he had gotten way too aggressive and was striking out way too much. And over the weekend, he only struck out once in uh, the Saturday game, or in the last game, actually, in Washington, and then didn't strike out at all yesterday. Goes two for three, hits the ball hard, and also uh, takes a walk. And one of the things the Cardinals are going to have to have is, and they looked for it all last year, is left-handed pop, and Gorman did provide that for the first third of the season. And then... Major League Baseball pitchers and the people that are guiding them, their pitching coaches, if there's a hole, they're going to find it, and then they're going to exploit it. Everybody finds out in a blink if you're vulnerable, and they did about Nolan Gorman. Well, now he appears to have at least temporarily bounced back, and hopefully the Cardinals will be able to keep him going because they need that left-handed hitter, and they need him to be able to perform on a regular basis. I know there's a lot of people that want to bury Gorman now, well, it's, that, that's one thing that you can, with a 23-year-old left-handed hitter, that's one thing that you can do is uh, have a guy that you don't think can hit, and then you trade him, and he winds up becoming Andy Van Slyke or something like that. So I think the Cardinals just need to be patient with the kid, let him make the adjustments, yeah. because when he hits it, it goes, and hope for more days like yesterday. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that he will be able to work his way out of it. And maybe it'll just be streaky like this. I, I think that um, this is a little bit more of a prolonged slump that we have seen. But that's just kind of the way that it goes with some of these younger players. And I do believe that he will have the ability to work his way back out of it. That's how baseball go. It is. words of Ron Washington. Yeah, I, I think he's going to – he has – he has the ability. He's shown it all season long. He was one of my votes for, for MVP candidates mm -hmm. early on in the season. And I think he, if he can get back to the, the, the hitting the ball in the manner that he had earlier in the season, he still could be a top 10 MVP vote getter because he's going to hopefully hit 30, 35 home runs. He still has time to do that. So um, I, I, I'm hoping that the adjustments are being made and he's figuring some things out. I wonder if it has anything to do, you know, he's been playing a lot of second base lately, and I wonder if that has anything to do with it as well. When he's just in that DH role and can solely focus on hitting, I think life is a little bit yeah. easier for him. And so you're going to have to figure out with you're the Cardinals, Jordan Walker is going to have to be your everyday left fielder. At some point, Mason Wynn is going to be here, and you're going to move Paul DeYoung either to second base or out of the off of the team. And so now... Tommy Edmond is in it. I think the best lineup for this team is when Tommy Edmond is at second base, despite how well he plays yeah. in the outfield. Dylan Carlson in center, Newton Wright, and you have your DH, a guy that is an MVP caliber DH, playing in that role every single day. And when he's doing that, you're getting the best version of him. I don't know if playing the field is causing that slump or, if it, you know, too much thinking, but that may be something to look at because they have to figure that out because he is spectacular at the plate. I'm sure he's thinking. And I always go back to Tony LaRussa had Mark, Mark McGuire in 1991, and Tony had to sit McGuire in the last game of the season so that his batting average wouldn't fall below 200. Mm. McGuire hit 201. He just had oh. a horrific year, but then he comes back and winds up uh, the next year uh, hitting 268, and then he hit 252, 274. Uh, and then 312 uh, before he came here and wound up hitting a bunch of home runs. Say, some guys just have bad years. And yeah. 
Some guys have bad months, and hopefully this is just a bad month for Nolan Gorman. There's your bird watch on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight. Matthew, do you already have or Bradford Bruns? We need a fighter. So uh, all you need to do is text in your name with the word fight to 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. The fight is coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, Average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Terry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Nick. Nick, how you doing? Nick. Nick, are you there? I can't hear Nick. Can you hear Nick? Yes. We, is that oh. Nick? Yep. Hey, Nick, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? We are doing wonderful. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? All right, here we go. Last night, Freddie Freeman became the sixth active player to reach 2,000 hits. Which NL outfielder reached the mark earlier this month? Is it Bryce Harper, Kristen Yelich, or Andrew McCutcheon? I'm going to go McCutcheon, Mr. Tate. Happy birthday to Illini great Darren Williams. Which team drafted Williams number three overall in the 2005 NBA draft? Is it the Atlanta Hawks, Dallas Mavericks, or Utah Jazz? Jazz. Since he debuted in 2019, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is second in home runs at Rogers Center with, with 35, which former Blues teammate is still first? Is it Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, or Marcus Simeon? Simeon. Bradley Beal wore number three his whole Wizards career, but which number did he wear during his Chaminade and Florida careers? Is it one, 23, or 24? I'll go 23. All right, we'll double-check the score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Nick, how you feeling? Well, it sure would have been nice if I knew anything about any of those questions. <laughs> what, what sport were you hoping no, for? No hockey questions for me today. Yeah, no hockey questions. No hockey. Rockio went to go. Rockio <laughs> went to find Randy, and Randy is right here. So he walked right we'll, we'll past be, him. <laughs> we'll be without Rock for a minute. Oh, here he is. <laughs> Randy, he just you, you found your right way back. Past him. Thank you. I was just right. I was like, like literally behind the glass oh, on the other side. Okay. Say hello to Nick. I'm Nick, dying. good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Last night, Freddie Freeman became the sixth active player to reach 2,000 hits, which NL outfielder reached the mark earlier this season. NL outfielder that reached 2,000 hits. I will go with Andrew McCutcheon. 
Happy birthday to Illini great Darren Williams. Which team drafted Williams number three overall in the 2005 NBA draft? It seems like Utah. I'm going to go with uh, the Utah Jazz. All right. Since he debuted in 2019, Vladimir Guerrero is second in home runs at Rogers Center with 35. Which blue, which former Blues teammate is still first? Blue Jays teammate? I'm sorry, Blue no. Jays. Blues. Yeah, a Blues teammate would really be impressive. That'd be really impressive. <laughs> yeah. Blue Jays teammate. So, he, uh, former Blue Jays. Former now. Blue Jays teammate is still first. Uh, and this is among active players, right? Vladdy's? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm trying to. Uh, uh, I've got Josh Donaldson. I don't think Teoscar Hernandez rose to that level. I'm just trying to think of guys that they've had that hit for a lot of power. Um, interesting that it's only 35. Um, I can't think of an outfielder that... Yeah, apparently it's hard to hit home runs in Rogers Center. Yeah, right. Um, John Olrud's retired. <laughs> um, so I will... I'm going to go with Josh Donaldson. Bradley Beal wore number three his entire Wizards career, but which number did he wear during his Chaminade and Florida careers? Mm. Okay, I, I think I know, but I'm going to do the lifeline just in case. Okay. One, 23, or 24? I'm going to go 23. All right, with that, we have a tie in today's fight. Congratulations, Nick. You Randy character to a tiebreaker. It was a good one here. You both got three correct. You both got stumped on number three, ironically enough. So we'll go here to the tiebreaker. The rules of the tiebreaker are the same. They have not changed, but here we go. Nick, a little quick refresher. Randy, also a refresher for you just in case. I'm going to read the question. We're then going to give Randy a moment for to write down his answer on a piece of paper. We're then going to get your answer audibly, Nick, and then Randy Kanker will say what he has written down. We'll all be here to make sure he's not changing anything and then who's ever closest to the pin is the winner of today's fight do you understand those rules nick yes and randy do you understand those rules i understand the rules yes sir all right here we go <laughs> how many teams played the full length of the final aba season in 1975 76 how many teams played the full length of the final ABA regular season in 1975-1976. Randy Carricker has given us his guess. Nick, what is yours? I was negative 10 years old then. <laughs> um, I, I, I haven't got a clue. I'm going to go... This is uh, before the NBA, is what you're talking about, right? Yes, sir. Uh, it's the final season before the merger. Let's go 12. All right, Randy Carricker, what is your answer, sir? I said seven, sir. All right, we have a winner in today's fight based off our tiebreaker question. Was Nick able to take Randy to a tiebreaker with three correct questions and get a win? That's usually the magic number. Or is Randy Carricker away from home, out on an away game? Is he able to pull off an overtime victory? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else?
Just win, baby. <laughs> four four sevenths. Congratulations, <laughs> four, Randy Carriker on this one. Four sevenths. Four sevenths of the television revenue accrued by the Spurs, Nuggets, Nets, Pacers will garner you more than half a billion dollars over the course of time. <laughs> Randy, of course, is referring to the Silas Brothers and their incredible deal that they made that season. There were 10 teams in the final ABA season. Uh, the Nuggets, the Nets, the Spurs, the Colonels, the Pacers, the Spirits of St. Louis, and the Virginia Squires were the only ones to finish. The San Diego Sales, the Utah, Utah Stars, Stars, and the Baltimore Claws all uh bailed out pretty early on in the proceedings. The Utah so, Stars disbanded yes, and that's did. how the Spirits got Moses Malone. Exactly. And so seven teams was 100% correct from Randy Carriker. He hit it right on the number there. So Nick, a great job today getting three questions right, but unfortunately Megamind came to play in that tiebreaker. I'm not dissatisfied with my effort. <laughs> you should you be satisfied, great. Nick. You did yeah, fantastic. You did yeah. well. Like I said, you got three right. Both of you got the same three right. Let's go through those questions really quickly. Last night, Freddie Freeman became the sixth active player to reach 2,000 hits. Which National League outfielder reached that mark earlier this month? On June 11th of 2023, Andrew McCutcheon, in his return back to the Pirates, hit his 2,000th career had his 2,000th career hit. Happy birthday to the great Darren Williams. Which team drafted Williams number three overall in the 2005 NBA draft? It was, in fact, the Utah Jazz. I think Carrie and me could both agree. The Atlanta Hawks probably should have drafted him yeah. instead of Marvin Williams yeah, uh, since, he de- since he debuted in 2019. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is second in home runs at Rogers Center with 35. Teoscar Hernandez is first with 37 in for number three. And Bradley Beal wore number three his, enti- his whole Wizards career, but he wore number 23, I'm guessing, a Jordan homage his entire Chaminade and Florida career. So again, a 3-3 tie and then a win in the tiebreaker for Randy Carricker. Thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Hey, Nick. Thanks, guys. I listen every day. It was an honor to be on. Have a Thank good you, one. Nick. We, we appreciate it. So we're here at the uh, Folds of Honor Golf Tournament here at Whitmore Country Club, and they always have breakfast for mm-hmm. the people here. And the people that know me the very best, know the most about me, have me pegged, realize that I don't like cantaloupe. That's one of the few things that I don't Why? like. Really? I just That's don't. It's a great breakfast fruit. It, it's not a great breakfast. It's not <laughs> a great fruit. It's not a great breakfast. It's just not. So <laughs> I, uh, I, during the break, Matthew went in to chase me down when I was getting sausage, and I get to the bowl, and there's a bowl of cantaloupe there. Oh. Now, I, I love, the, the, the people I love the most love cantaloupe, but I do not. So I'm, I'm willing to acquiesce for a lot of things, and, and cantaloupe is one of them. In fairness to Randy, I, I actually love cantaloupe, but I will I will admit to you, good cantaloupe's great. Bad cantaloupe is cardboard. Cardboard. So or I'll, is agree, it just really I'll agree squishy? with you on this one. Like bad cantaleope is like it's the most it's the that's least the flavorful thing in the to world. The, to the rind, well, isn't it? That's the part that you no, yeah. no. It's, it's just the whole cantaloupe's good or the whole cantaloupe's bad. It, if it's a good cantaloupe, so everything down to the rind's good. Is what you're saying. I mean, you go to the store sometimes, you, you pick a bad cantaloupe. It happens. You don't so. do the knock. You do, but sometimes it doesn't work. It that's what, and that's more. Isn't that more watermelon? Because they're like a lot do more it with water. Some of the By the way, okay. I've always wondered this. So, uh, what prompted you to eat cardboard? <laughs> I've always <laughs> wondered the, this. To know the the comparison. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've lost some that bets. In, I've lost some question. bets in my life. Randy, <laughs> never, never, so long. never ask the real question. Never pick up an item and say if <laughs> if this happens, <laughs> I will eat this because inevitably uh, that thing so. is going to happen. Twenty dollars. I have eaten paper before. You have. On oh. accident? Oh, no, on purpose. <laughs> on purpose? Yep, yep. yep. I'll tell you later. If okay. he hits this shot, I will eat this piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how he hit that shot. Anyway, if, if you do eat cantaloupe, 
like cantaloupe and maybe one of your favorites, I can still love you. Even So that's just, uh, I'm throwing that out there. All right. it. Thank you, Randy. Okay. okay. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, now the NBA has Victor Wembanyama, and a lot of people are going to want to go see him in the stands next year. Who are the three athletes that we'd pay to see right now? This isn't press passes. This is paying for uh, the ability to see somebody perform on an athletic court or ice or field. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Last week, the NBA held their draft, and uh, the Frenchman, Victor, is that, uh, is that okay to say? The Frenchman? Is that, is yeah, that I mean, politically it, correct? Yeah, he's right, right. I mean, okay. you're, not, you're not, you know, using a, 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 a phrase. I just want to make sure. You're not using a certain amphibian. Yeah, the, the French dude. Reptile. I don't know. Victor Webbenyama was selected first overall by the San Antonio Spurs, and that spurred this thought. <laughs> I go, oh my god! You like it? Uh, uh, that was such a delayed reaction. <laughs> I, it, it caught me late. Okay, so I, I want to see this guy play, and I'm thinking, okay, three athletes that I would spend the top three athletes that I would spend my own hard-earned money to watch play in 2023, 2024, and we're each going to give our top three. Let's start with number three. Number three. All right, CD, who do you got as your number three? So my number three is, I mean, she is, I guess she's still a current athlete. She, she semi-retired. Brooke says she still does doubles with her sister. So I'm going to go with Serena Williams. I, obviously, I think one of the greatest players of all sports of all time, definitely one of the best, best tennis players to play again ever, male or female. I would love to see her in person watching her. Even though it's on the tail end of her career, I still would love to watch her play. Right. Yeah, and she's not technically retarded. She has said that in, yeah. even in recent co- uh, comments that she's kind of debating back and forth. She feels like she still could play. So that does count, and I would love to see her play. She was a huge idol for me. She's the whole reason that I was not much of an endurance tennis player. I was more of wanting to be a power tennis yeah. player like she was because she was so mm-hmm. so much stronger than everybody else. Well, my number three is going to be, and this might be weird coming from a Titans fan, but I I have some explanation behind this. I'm talking about if I'm going to go and spend money, I want to be entertained, and I think one of the most entertaining quarterbacks right now in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. What he's able to do and the way that he's able to do it, and specifically I would like to see Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead Stadium because I've heard that it's amazing. I need to get out to Kansas City to see a game out there because Mm. it looks like it's a blast. But Patrick Mahomes, he has two Super Bowl rings to go with his two MVP awards, all by the age of 27. I think he's a very special talent. I know that I'm not going to put him in, like, the greatest of all time category. It's hard to, you know, put him in talks with, like, Tom Brady. You're allowed. I think, is he, I would say he's in those conversations. He's he's top 10 all time right now, right? Quarterbacks? Mahomes? Yeah. Uh, Probably best thrower, and yeah. I, maybe you have to wait till the end yeah. of his career so you see the full body of work. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Though. I think excitement-wise, that is somebody I'm paying money to see yeah. in person. Uh, guys, I, I actually thought about the aforementioned Webb and Yama, okay. but I'm going to wait. But you know what I didn't do at the 2018 PGA because I was following Tiger around? I didn't follow around Rory. Oh. And I, I would love to follow Rory McIlroy around mm. and watch him hit the green from 380 yards and stuff <laughs> like that. He's just so skilled. And as somebody who is a, a bad golfer, 
I, I would love to see somebody who has that skill level and just follow them around. I think it'd be awesome. I agree. I think just golf in general, watching those guys hit the ball. Oh. It's, it's, it you, be, so you become easy. a little envious of it. Like yeah. it, it seems so simple, but yet it's not that simple. It's yeah. pretty difficult right. to do. So, right. yeah, seeing those guys at the highest level is awesome. Yep, Matthew, I'm gonna have to go with Lionel Messi as, as my number three because now it's possible. Um, you know, obviously with the 20, maybe with the World Cup here, those tickets are going to be very pricey. Is he even going to play on Argentina? I wasn't 100% sure. But now it's real. Now he's going to be here for, you know, two or three years in the MLS. There's a very good chance that inside that window he's playing here in St. Louis for a match. I mean, for me, yeah, it's, it's got to be Lionel Messi. He's the most dominant player in, in the biggest sport in the world for the last 10 years. I mean, I started watching soccer when he had a, a, a calendar year where he scored 100 goals. That's, wow, ridic- that's, that's, rid- that's ridiculous. That's yeah. ridiculous. And yeah. so, I mean, Lionel Messi's got to be on my list somewhere. All right. Now two. Number two. CD? I've seen this guy play in multiple cities. I, I will travel to see him. He is one of the greatest things that has happened to basketball. That is one Steph Curry. I've gone to Memphis. I've gone to San, yeah. San Francisco. I, I have traveled to – I've gone to Houston. I've been to multiple cities to watch Steph Curry play basketball, and it is well worth it. It's well worth the money, well worth the travel. He is a spectacular basketball player, and I, you know, my son loves him. I enjoy watching him play as well. It's just fun to watch. I agree. I, I think that even though it's not on my list, I think he would be top five yeah. of somebody that I have to see in person and pay money for. My number two is going to be another tennis idol of mine. I, I grew up on clay courts, which not many people have clay courts anymore. So it makes sense that this is a person that I would spend money on. Rafael Nadal. I know he's getting towards the end of his career. It's always been a dream of mine to be able to see Serena Williams play, but also Rafael Nadal. I didn't get to see Roger Federer play, which that will always crush me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that will always kill me because having... Serena Williams, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal all playing at the, such a high level around the same time. That was just such a great run for tennis. Rafael Nadal, the fact that he's king of the clay, and I grew up on clay courts, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see him on a clay court playing. That, I would spend so much money on that. <laughs> we were so lucky earlier this season to have Shohei Otani play here in St. Louis against the Cardinals. But I would pay to see him again because we will never see it again. In the 150 years of baseball, we had Babe Ruth and Shohei Otani is better. He is the most unique athlete we've ever seen in the sport because of his ability to hit and pitch. I would definitely pay today to see Shohei Otani, especially if he's on the mound. And I'm going to go ahead and take for my number two. I'll take the, the person that the, the segment started for, and that's Victor Wembenyama. I've, I've been watching highlights of him playing in France for almost three years now. And it's just the guy can tip. He tip dunked his own three-point miss, Kerry. I mean, yeah. he tip dunks his own three-point misses. I've never seen it before. I'll never see it again. Give, give me a, a Spurs ticket and watch Victor Wembenyana, like walk over to the sideline and stand next to Tim Duncan and David Robinson and look down upon them. It's unbelievable. That is amazing. Yeah. Number one. So my number one is a bit outside the box, and it's because of what's happening here in about a month or so. It's Terrence Bud Crawford because he is going to finally fight Earl Spence, and this is the fight that we have been waiting for. Boxing fans have been clamoring for. These two are the two best in their class, two tough, hard-nosed fighters, and this is going to be one of the best fights of the year, if not of the last few years. Those two, I would pay a good amount of money to be, I think it's in Las Vegas, to be in Las Vegas to watch that fight in person. 
I think this, I'm going to pay whatever it costs on pay-per-view to watch it because it's going to be one of the best fights that we've seen in a long time. Great call. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good call. My number one, and you already mentioned it, Randy, but Shohei Otani will always be my number one as well because I don't think we will see another player like him, especially in modern baseball. He's such a unique athlete. Obviously, you talk about the fact that he's a two-way athlete, but the ability to perform at such a high level on both sides is so incredible, and that's why they're calling him the unicorn. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is so special. He's in his own category. At least when I checked in this weekend, he was leading all of baseball in home runs, slugging, OPS, total bases, and he has like a 6-3 and three record with a good ERA. I, I don't think you will ever see anybody like him ever again. He's a very very special rare talent and the only reason that i went with him at number two is because i had the chance good fortune to see him earlier in the season here at bush stadium i have never seen patrick mahomes play in person that was brooks number three and i like to be electrified and he is electrifying and very rarely in the sport of football do you have one guy that makes a difference that wins games for you. In hockey, you can have a guy that wins games for you, especially if it's a goalie. Basketball, you can have a guy that wins games for you. In baseball, a dominant pitcher, you can win games. Very few, even quarterbacks, win games for their teams. Patrick Mahomes has been to the Super Bowl three times with different casts of characters, completely different. He's been to a Super Bowl with an offensive line that might have been the worst in the league, and he he still was in the Super Bowl. He can have a bad defense. He can have different receivers. Travis Kelsey is a big part of what he does, but he is electrifying, and I would pay to see Patrick Mahomes play. And I'm with you, Brooke, especially at Arrowhead. Oh, yeah. And and just real quick, another side note, you get kind of a two-for-one deal with Shohei Otani. You also get to see Mike Trout. There you go. That's true. (laughs) Not bad at all. <laughs> this one's kind of cheating because part of it's the event, but Max Verstappen is the is the greatest F- F- Formula One driver on the planet. He, if you ever watch one of the races, it's almost like a bygone fact that he's now going to win whatever race you're watching. But also, the spectacle of those F1 races is just ridiculous. I think the Chicago one is going to be a little bit too much for me to for me to handle going up there. With When's the, that? It, I think it's in a couple of years, and they just they just like did a video on what the track's going to look like. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I mean, if if I could watch a Formula One race, that that would probably be up there. And if you get to watch a guy who's literally the most dominant force the sport's maybe ever seen, you got to take a shot at it. So you're, really you're paying a bunch of money it. to watch a Honda. To- <laughs> no, he drives uh, – is, is, is that what the Red Bulls drive is a uh, Honda? I don't know. Oh, these are not your normal Hondas. These are not your normal Hondas. I would love to see an F1 race. I would absolutely yeah, it's love insane. it. But I yeah. feel like you have to have a lot of money to see it, and that's my issue is that it's not super accessible to everybody and not an easy ticket. What I, From what I hear, it's like – but that's, thing, that's my thing, though. Dropping. But if I'm going to go to that one time in my life, I want to go when I'm going to see the greatest racer ever. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a good call. And F1 is, is where it's at, too, in, uh, in auto racing now. Max Verstappen is Matthew's number one. We got a good list there. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, it is time for the Rush Hour Reset. Stick around from uh, Whitmore Country Club, the site of the Foles of Honor Golf Tournament. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf.
It is time for the Rush Hour Reset, and the Blues have just announced that they have hired Alexander Steen as their European Player Development Consultant. He'll be in St. Louis for the Blues Prospect Camp from July 1st through 4th at Centene. And you can never go wrong having a guy like Alexander Steen in your organization. It's a he was a huge loss in that dressing room when he was forced to retire, and having him work with young players will be of huge benefit to the St. Louis Blues. And that's great for the Blues, too, having another alumni wanting to stick around. It, we kind of felt like Alexander Steen, he wanted to stay around the game, so we knew that it was coming. It's great that he's staying within the Blues organization. Just a note for all the reporters who might be interacting with him as he is going to be a part of the Blues prospect camp. Keep your mics away from his face because he will swat them. Swatter. Do you remember yep. that? Yeah, he's you a swatter. <laughs> yeah, yep, absolutely. Because uh, there was a couple of times where some of the reporters would get like a little too close, <laughs> and he would just literally, like a bee, just swat the mics out wow. of the face. Which, to be fair, I wouldn't want a mic straight up in my mouth either. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and still no word yet on a trade for the Blues, as our friend Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from the Athletic, reported on Saturday. The Blues thought they were close to a deal for Kevin Hayes and Travis Sanheim of the Flyers. The Blues would have sent Tory Krug and a number one pick and got a lot of money back, by the way, in such a deal. But Tory Krug reportedly has invoked his no-trade clause, which is his right. He signed a contract with a no-trade clause. And so right now that deal is in limbo, and we'll see if indeed the Blues are able to pull off a deal by the time the draft gets here on Friday. And Alex Ferrario is going to be there. So yes, he'll, he is. he'll be boots on the ground for us at Bridgestone Arena in Nicheville as the Blues hopefully will work a deal and uh, Alex will be all over it. As soon as I saw that they were signing Scott Perunovich to a one-year extension this past weekend, I we all knew that was coming because Scott Perunovich and Tori Krug are very similar. There's an age difference. Both have experience injuries. Both are smaller players, as you guys mm -hmm. pointed out earlier. Uh, kind of same we, expectation. We, we, we fellas. Yes, you, you, you guys yeah. pointed that out. Um, this is a deal that makes sense. If they are able to pull this off, it would be, it, it would, it tells me that the Cardinal, uh, not the Cardinal, sorry, the Blues realize that yes, it's going to take some time to build and grow around Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, but they realize they can still get things done now. That they are not going to be complacent. That they can't miss the playoffs again. Kevin Hayes is a very interesting player. 31 years old. He had. 54 points last season, 18 goals, 36 assists. And Sanheim is another name that was a part of that initial discussion. I still wouldn't be surprised if they're able to pull off a move where you are able to still flip Tory Krug with the Flyers, getting into a position where a more desirable location that he is willing to go to. And maybe you just need to package it with not only the later first round pick, which is also a part of the conversations, but even a Marco Scandella where you can still get Sanheim in return. Yeah, the Blues obviously need some help, and if they're getting a left-handed D back and a guy like Sandheim, and they're going to have Perunovic, then they can utilize some of that lefty depth, whether they have to send Krug to a third team to alleviate some of the cap hit, whatever that situation is, hopefully the Blues will be able to pull it off. Yesterday in London, the Cardinals won the finale of the London series, 7-5 over the Cubs. Matthew Libertor pulled after two and a third. He allowed four unearned runs in the first after he got the third, what should have been the third out, because Paul DeYoung made an error on an ordinary, well, that's why they call them errors, because it's a, a play that a major league player would ordinarily make, and the floodgates opened after the second out, should have been the third, and Libertor allowed four unearned runs and was pulled after two and a third, but great work by the bullpen leading up to Hicks getting the save, his fourth of the year, and the Cardinals win at 7-5, and we've talked a lot, guys, during the course of the season about how the Cardinals just need more 
they, they need deeper production. And you had Brendan Donovan with an, uh, a couple of RBIs on his hit. Goldie had an RBI hit. Newt Barr had an RBI hit. Contreras was four for four. Gorman went two for three with an RBI. Walker went one for three with an RBI and a run scored. DeYoung had a base hit. Edmund had a base hit. So you, you didn't have multiple hits up and down the lineup, but at least you've got everybody contributing except for one guy. Arenado was 0 for 4. You need... The, this is what I gathered from this weekend. Pitching needs to do well enough where it gives the offense a chance, where it gives them a chance. Now, Saturday was definitely inexcusable on all sides. I mean, offensively, pitching, all that. But if you look at Sunday specifically, Jake Woodford coming in was clutch. It was exactly what the offense needed to be able to string a comeback. Jordan Walker being a huge part of that with his 15-game hitting streak continuing on. You need – the pitching needs to – that's something that I'm always going to point back to. Starting pitching continues to be an issue, and it, they just need to do well enough where it gives the offense a chance in these games. Yeah. The one thing that, that you talked about, Jordan Hicks, and the importance of him, the Cardinals have 15 blown saves and 33 opportunities. The fact that he can come in and close the door, that's what we have been looking for. If you take half of those games and actually win the games that you're already winning, it gives you – you have a much different record and you're much closer to being to the top of the NL Central than being in the basement. So the importance of him right now and what he's able to do, uh, hopefully he can continue it and, and continue to – the Cardinals can continue to have save opportunities where he's able to go out there and take, take the ball and, and get the win. And guys, as rough as it has been for the Cardinals, it could always be worse. You could always be the Mets. <laughs> Where they've spent all that money and then you're in this position currently. Is it worse, though? I mean, well, they, they aren't dead last. And they're in a tougher they, division. Yeah, they aren't, but they aren't coming back either. And no, they, yesterday, they they're they're up 6-3. to three. Uh, <laughs> they, They've got their bullpen set up so that David Robertson can get the, the save in the ninth. They're up 6-3 in the eighth. Uh, they're down. Uh, the, the Phillies are, are down. They score a couple of runs without getting the ball out of the infield. Brandon Marsh walks with the bases loaded to make it 6-5. Alex Brigham hit Kyle Schwarber to tie the game at 6, and then he hit Trey Turner to give the Phillies the lead. A walk to make it 6-5 with the bases loaded, a hit batter to make it 6-6, another hit batter to make it 7-6, and that's the way the Mets lost the game with David Robertson languishing in the bullpen, their closer never getting used. Bob Nightingale tweeted out uh, last night, the San Diego Padres getting smoked again by the Washington Nationals, 8-3 in front of 41,000-plus disgusted fans at Petco Park. It's a toss-up of who would be the most underachieving team in MLB history between the Padres and the Mets if they both mm. miss the postseason. Hey, at least the Cardinals are not in Bob Nightingale's uh, discussions. Right? That's because <laughs> right. they didn't spend any money. Yeah. I think I think the money has a lot to that's do with why. that. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Well, yeah. They didn't spend any money. Mm. You spend money and still stink. Yeah, that's that's report news you want to hear about. Yeah. You just stink because you didn't spend any money. Nobody cares. Well, and the team leading the National League wildcard standings, the Miami Marlins, Skip Schumacher's Miami Marlins. Congratulations to them. Uh, Skippy's doing a, a fantastic job there. I, I don't know if he minds if you, you call think him he Skippy. still you think he still listens to the opening drive in Miami? I assume oh, yeah. so. Yeah. You think he has it on? Yeah, there's no doubt. There's, there's no doubt. Yeah, he, he's 
He's, he's a P, listening in. He's a P1, as they call him. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. But the Diamondbacks are leading the West. They have the second-best record in the National League. They're four games behind Atlanta. And the Diamondbacks have a low payroll. Miami, San Francisco has a low payroll this year. No stars on that team. Then you have the Dodgers. And then you have the Reds with the next-best record. So it, we're seeing, at least in the National League this year, so far, and there's a long way to go, but it's not necessarily the amount of money the players are making. It's how well they produce as a team. Yes, yes. And that's, that's, that's what you need. People making money, you should be performing at a high level. Does that make you feel a little bit better that you're not in the Padres and Mets situation? I don't know. I mean, it makes you feel, I guess, a tad bit better. It doesn't make me feel better. Well, I, and losing stinks regardless of how much. Losing and spending a bunch of money? Well, it ain't my money. Yeah. I don't Here's care. the thing. The Padres, the, the Padres are in a small market, smaller market than St. Louis, and they can't trade those guys. The only guy they can yeah. move is uh, Soto, but nobody's taking on the Machado contract. Nobody's taking on the Tatis contract. Nobody's taking on the Bogarts contract. Nobody's taking on the Darvish contract. Nobody's taking on the Musgrove contract. They're stuck with these guys. And not that they're not good players, but if they want to get younger, they've got four players that are going to make them be making $30 million into their 40s. And I don't think that that's a sustainable model no. to, for long-term success. No. That is our Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, St. Louis City goalkeeper and captain Roman Berkey is going to join us coming off of that big win over San Jose. Roman is next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an equalizer. In a word. Chaos. down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. Um, Adenarin gets his first MLS goal. Recalled from his loan with a USL club. Straight into the starting lineup. Straight onto the score sheet. Adenarin Daniel the wrong way. In his first MLS start, Samuel Adenarin's got his first two MLS goals. Espinosa's ball will come in. An impressive win for St. Louis City SC on Saturday night at PayPal Park in San Jose. They knocked off the Earthquakes 2-1, to one, and Sam Adenarin, you heard it, he was in the USFL in the morning. By the evening, he had two MLS goals, and City gets the three points, and they keep rolling. Sam Adenarin, obviously the story of the game, he got one before halftime and then uh, converted a penalty uh, after the 58th minute, and St. Louis City SC came away with the victory. They are atop of the Western Conference now, 32 points after 19 games. We're going to talk to Roman Berkey, the goalie of St. Louis City SC, in just a moment. But it's amazing how, despite all the injuries, and this team is ravaged by injuries, they keep finding ways to win. Yeah, the, the injuries is a, is a key part to, to what's happen, happening right now. They were winless in their four games prior to last week, 
And I, I think just the injuries piling up, building up, you got the guys having to fill in and do things. You lose one of your best players in Klaus, who's been out for a long time. We know how well he was playing earlier in the season. Then Leuven goes down. And, and so now you're dealing with all of these things, and you're finding guys. Guys have to step up and make plays, and fortunately for them, they were able to do that this past weekend. That's Kerry Davis. Brooke Grimsley is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Let's go to the celebrity line, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Goalie and captain for St. Louis City SE, Roman Berkey. Roman, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How you doing? Good morning. Thank you. I'm feeling good. A little bit, still a little bit tired from the travels, but um, we have a day off today, so uh, enough time to recover. That's great. What do you ordinarily do normally do on a on a day off during the season? Uh, to be honest, I'm at the facility right now. I did a little bit of teamwork, so uh, I don't really like just whole, a whole day off. So I always have to do something uh, extra for my body because uh, I'm not the youngest anymore and um, I have to take care of my body. Roman, what a great win it was for you guys this past weekend. We have to talk to you about Samuel Adeniron. It was just a whirlwind for him. Less than 24 hours, you've been recalled on loan from San Antonio FC straight into the lineup, and he stepped in and stepped up immediately with two goals. How much life did he inject into the lineup and into that game? Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, he was um, he was ready when we asked him when we needed him, and um, that's uh, that's that's amazing. You know, I, I think also for him to come back and score two goals, uh, it's a, it's a great feeling for him and a great uh, way to come back, of course. And um, we knew about his qualities, and we were just uh, in need to for a player like him at this point. Roman, you all started off to a historic start of the season. Uh, prior to last weekend, you all had been winless in four games. What have you learned about your team during this time? Yeah, that, um, that uh, we stick together, even though in, in, uh, when times aren't that good, um, when we lose some games, we haven't won like uh, three, uh, three games in a row um, before San Jose. And um, I mean, we stick together. And uh, as you can see, we, we brought in young players, players who haven't played a lot in the past. And they did an amazing job and uh, with the support of the others. Um, and that's, that's a really nice uh, thing to have in a team. Yeah, Roman, it's interesting. In addition to Sam Adeniron, Azil Jackson and Josh Yarrow both make their first appearances, first starts at least for St. Louis City SC. As, as a captain, how do you treat that when a guy is making his first start? Do you do anything to try to calm their nerves? Um, no, not really. Um, I mean, AZ is uh, very confident, a uh, very confident guy. And um, so he, um, he knows, he played already, not, not from the start, but he knows what MLS is and how, how we play. And so he was ready from the beginning. And um, I think we could see he, he, was, uh, he had a big chance in the first half. And in the second half, he was the reason why we get a penalty. So um, he was ready. Roman, you've been talking about, and we've been talking about what this team is like not having some of the key players. You bring up, you know, designated players, Jao Klaus and Edward Leuven, and it seems like you guys have been able to sustain things moving forward. Is there anything that you guys even have to talk about? Is it something that's said of players stepping up, or is this group just able to really show off their depth and continue to rise to the occasion? Yeah, um, I mean, there's always things we can talk about. Um, uh, at the moment, um, we enjoyed the, the win um, against San Jose, um, but I think um, tomorrow we, we are back in training and um, then the, we focus on the next game. And um, 
we we definitely have to, to prove that it didn't just happen, um, that it didn't just was luck um, against San Jose. So uh, we want to prove um, that we can do it again at home uh, because I think Klaus will not be back until then. And uh, Edu, I don't know, I'm not sure. So um, yeah, just just to just to repeat that to show that it doesn't that it wasn't luck at this point. Roman, you mentioned that you're a little bit older, and and after these games, it takes you a little bit longer. What is a what is a what is a day like after a game for you now? Um, yeah, so uh, it was a little special because we arrived um, six o'clock in the morning back in St. Louis. So uh, we had uh, yesterday off um, and. Yeah, of course, you, you sleep a lot. Um, today we have off as well, but um, like I said, I know my body. I know that I what I need. Um, I mean, with experience, um, over over uh, in your career, when you get experience over, over your career, you know what your body needs. And so I, I come in, I do treatment, I do a little workout to be to be ready tomorrow. Roman, one of the things that I hated when I played is I always wanted to sleep Mondays after a game, but they told us we had to get up and move around and work out and do all of those things just to get the blood flowing. Do you sometimes look at a guy like Miggy Perez and say, wow, to be young again? Yeah, um, <laughs> Miggy's here as well, but uh, he, he has a little bit of pain in his foot, so today I'd rather be me and not Miggy. So, um, <laughs> no, but um, it's it's it's... Of course, you look at the guys and you think, how can they do this uh, without um, warming up or, or stuff like this? So, but um, I mean, like I said, they, they they will they will go through all of the things that I have been through, and um, at one point they have to do more for the body, and they will learn that. So you mentioned you guys playing San Jose, getting that win. Now you'll be able to come back home and play back in front of the home crowd. And we know the importance of protecting home. But also you guys will be playing against Colorado, a team that I'm sure that uh, Randy can explain to you. Some fans here might have some hard feelings about what's the excitement of coming back. And has anybody kind of explained to you the reason behind the Colorado hatred? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They explained it to us um, for the, our um, first game in Colorado. They explained it. And uh, I mean, um, yeah, that's that, that's that's a reason I would say for the fans to, to push us even more. Um, I always talk to the team and say, like, guys, this is something um, we, we have to handle business on the field and everything else should not affect us because um, points, and if we get the three points, everyone uh, will be happy. No doubt. But no doubt about that, Roman. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We always enjoy having you on the show. Congratulations on the win on Saturday, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Take care. Roman Berkey, goalie for St. Louis City SC. By the way, City is undefeated when they score first. He's like a, a dog that gets a piece of meat in his mouth once he has a lead. 7-0-3 when... St. Louis City scores first. Are you saying that they got that dog in them? They got some dog. He, oh, yeah, he's a dog. Defense dog, he's defense. <laughs> and, that's, and I mean, he, the, the saves he was making, and I mean, he's been doing this. I mean, the, the Sporting Kansas City game is another big one where it's just the most ridiculous point-blank 
saves that you just you don't expect the goalie to make. You know, the XG numbers we always talk about. That that that's that's like a point nine that he keeps saving. It's unbelievable what he's done. Leads MLS with seventy six saves, had eight the other night. And it's interesting <laughs> to talk to people who are much more versed in soccer than I am that say that he's only really allowed one bad goal all year long. Eight is such yeah. a ridiculous number. It's <laughs> that's amazing. Like, that's it? like a forty save day yeah. for Mike Bennington. It's right. unbelievable. It's amazing. It is the opening drive on one oh one ESPN. Matthew, Kerry, Brooke and Randy. Hey, how do you think MLB did with the London games and where are they headed with globalization of the sport? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We see London as a gateway to the rest of Europe. Um, there's a great sporting culture here in London. Even if, you know, they may not really be baseball fans, they love sports, they love sporting events. You're going to see them turn out in huge numbers the next two days. So it's a great place for us to gain a foothold in Europe. That is MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred, and indeed, the Cardinals and Cubs drew sellout crowds of 55,000 on both days that they played, Saturday and Sunday. The crowds were raucous. There were a lot of people from St. Louis and Chicago, Cardinals and Cubs fans there, in addition to people from the area, I'm sure, London and surrounding areas, that were wearing jerseys of other teams, Red Sox, Yankees. I saw Marlins man there. It was really cool, and I, I think for one of the very few times, guys, we can say that Rob Manfred did a really good job. Rob Manfred and his staff did a really good job with the London series this weekend. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed seeing the coverage of it. It was tough listening to on Saturday and a little bit on Sunday early on, the national media just kind of having fun at the Cardinals' mm-hmm. expense. Did you guys notice that? I mean, and, and rightfully so. There was a lot of bad things to point out. There was a lot. That was my only issue. But also just seeing the coverage of the fans there, all the events that they had lined up, even some of the food that they had mm-hmm. for fans too. It was, it was just really cool to see. And I think that's always great for growing the game, growing the game, getting some of those players out there. The fact that Jordan Walker was able to perform the way he did that weekend, a young rising star in Major League Baseball, is really exciting. Yeah, you see it in all these major sports, baseball, basketball, football. Football does the games in London. It's just expanding your market, getting more people invested into what you're doing. I thought Alex Rodriguez Rodriguez made a very good point, and entertainment and sports is what brings people. He thought he said something about having more entertainment involved, musicians mm-hmm. being being part of the, the 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 games going forward. That could bring more more enticement, more excitement to the game. So you know, it, it's a lot of different things that they can do to help build this game and. and They've done some things with the rules changes, made the sped the game up a little bit. I think it's uh, it's important for that to happen for for all sports to brand their their future in, yeah. in different markets. And if you look back four years ago, the Yankees and Red Sox played in London, a London series, and we had the pandemic, and this is the first time they had been back. And uh, Rob Manfred's data is actually very positive. Yeah, our we do a lot of research here in the UK because it's an important market for us. The number of people who identify themselves as baseball fans have doubled since 2019. Wow. And, you know, it's unbelievable. We didn't have the ability to follow up on the right. Yankee Red Sox series right away. Yeah. And even without that, we've made real progress. 
Now, there might have been five people that identified it as baseball fans in London before, and now there's ten. <laughs> you know, you, you've got to put it into context. But right. at the same time, anytime you can double a number, it's pretty substantial. Well, I, I thought the crowds were great as well. I mean, just the packed house, people showing up, people were excited. I think they, they're just excited to have sports other than, than what they're accustomed to. So having, having the Cardinals there, having the Cubs there, was a, it's a great rivalry, you know, here in the States that traveled abroad, obviously, and they wish the Cardinals would have performed much better in that first game because that was tough for us to watch, and I'm sure a lot of Cardinals fans, but they were able to split the series um, with the Cubs yesterday. And you look at the success of the World Baseball Classic, too, even though the, some teams might use that as a reason <laughs> to why they've gotten off to a horrendous Still. start of the season. Still. Maybe it's a curse, but mm. the World Baseball Classic, that was amazing to see because then we kind of understand more as Americans, if you don't already, how big baseball is in other countries. And Rob Manfred did confirm this past weekend that Major League Baseball is planning on playing a 2025 series in Paris and they also are looking at some international games in the next few years to include London, Paris, Mexico City, Japan, Taiwan, Korea, Puerto Rico, other countries in Latin America, which is areas where you are getting some players in Major League Baseball too. So to be able to take it back over there, I talked to Lars Newtbar a few weeks ago when they were in town about what it was like in Japan because I hadn't seen him that much this season. He's been injured and he just talked about the fandom there that he couldn't even leave his hotel room because all of a sudden he, he was like, I didn't think anybody recognized me and I would leave the hotel room and I was just immediately swarmed wow. by fans. Mm -hmm. And so the, the market is there in other countries and they appreciate taking the time coming over. And I guess what you need to do is just give people access to the sport and Brooke, you mentioned the places that they could go, and uh, they could look at Dubai. I don't know if MLB has the appetite to try to go to China like the NBA has, but if you want to globalize and mm -hmm. try to attract the biggest market that's out there, you're looking at India and China. Yeah, um, hey, we'll see. I mean, if, if the money is right and everything is, is going, the only thing that concerns me is the travel. That's a long – yeah. I talked to Brooke about it. We, tr we played in, in Tokyo in a, in a preseason game, and the travel from Atlanta to Tokyo is yeah. – and, and coming <laughs> back. I, I, so we were there for, I think, five, maybe seven days. First three days, you're trying to just catch up on from the jet lag and, and, and get yeah. accustomed to the time. And by the time you do get adjusted, it's time to go home, and then you got to get readjusted to the time in, in that city or state that you're in. That well, was a difficult task. Well, think about – when we talk to Adam every Wednesday morning, yeah. and now he doesn't want to be up at that time of day, yes. right? It's so incongruous for a baseball player to be up at 9, and obviously for a noon game, you're at the ballpark uh -huh. at 9, and for a 9 o'clock game, you're there at 6 o'clock your yeah. time. Baseball players are going to bed at 6 a.m., not yes. getting up to play a game at 6 a.m., <laughs> yeah. so I'm sure that that will have an effect, and jet lag is real. It, it happens, and players have to deal with the travel all the time, but I would be a little concerned if I were in the Cardinals front office. There's nothing you can do about it, but I would be concerned about the next couple of days, tomorrow against Houston, Wednesday against Houston, because it's just natural for anybody, mm -hmm. especially an athlete that has to perform at a high level, to be a little bit uh, affected, I guess is the word, by the travel. I get jet lag just even flying in the country. Like, yeah. I was yeah. just in the U.S. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine. I know that they did get two days off in between, but just looking at all the things that the Cardinals put on social media, they kept them busy. They were yeah. doing a lot of tours, a lot of events. They kept them going, even for those two days that they had before the series started in London. And I wonder, uh, I never even looked into this, I wonder if the Cardinals actually wind up 
doing better financially playing in London than had they played the two home games. They were two of their home games. In the NFL, for example, one of the reasons that Jacksonville goes to London, one of the reasons that the Rams wanted to go to London when they were here or initially in L.A. is because they make twice as much from a game in London than they did here in the United States. Wow. I, I did not know that. Yeah. So I, I wonder if that's similar for the Cardinals and for Major League Baseball or if a big part of the cut was taken by MLB. I, I'm sure there's some factor into that because Major League Baseball is the one that is making sure the stadium is up to par. That's I would true. Assume. They had to spend a lot for that. Yes. So you don't have to do as much for an NFL stadium. That is our look at the the USA baseball program in London and the London series next year, by the way, is going to be the Phillies and the Mets. Let's just hope that they can have a game like they had yesterday where the, the Mets walked in the, to- uh, the run that made it six to five, hit a batter to tie it and then hit another batter to win it for Philadelphia. That's what That's London exciting. needs to see. Do you want a game like what you saw from uh, Florida and LSU? 24 to 4? <laughs> no. Oh. Or, or the Angels and Rockies the other night. Oh, that was 25? 20, 20, 25 to 1. I think you're missing Who the ultimate way that? to do it, Randy. The only way to end games now in, in Europe and abroad it has to be the ghost runner in the 10th. Oh, that's not a that's bad idea. That's the only way to do it. Hmm. Hey, how'd that guy get on second base? Don't worry. We don't know what he did. He yeah. just showed up. <laughs> we got a thing. It's magic. <laughs> we got a thing. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we got a thing. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with our edition of Rock and Roll for this Monday on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I want to rock! And roll. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and roll and here is matthew rock well before we go uh we know that uh alex ferrario and tanner hendrickson are going to be down at the nhl draft uh coming up here randy character here's a little point from the draft that i thought was interesting sean mcindoe on the athletic was talking about what he what they think the most likely scenario is for every team right now in the draft right now what he thinks with the the big the big frame thing and, and the one little point he i thought was interesting is that he pointed out that the two San Jose Sharks pick, they pick fourth overall and then late in the first round, and the three Blues pick, 10th, 25th, and 29th, have about the same value on what the, the current uh, dr- NHL draft guru's uh, draft value chart. Obviously, there used to be one in the NFL put up by Jimmy Johnson. They have an updated one in the NHL, and apparently those three to two picks line up just about perfectly. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but man... That's the first time I've gotten excited about this since the Meechkov thing kind of got some, some water thrown on it last week. If the Blues were able to trade up to four, and right now NHL.com's mock draft has Will Smith going there. He is uh, apparently referred to as an explosive offensive talent. That's a big change there. I just love the idea of a little bit of NFL draft uh, change here, a little bit of excitement. I'm not saying Doug Armstrong's going to do it, but you put a little blurb like that there, the Blues could potentially trade up to number four. I'm out 100% in on it. If they don't, I'll be disappointed. I might be dead by the time that guy gets to the NHL. It's three years. Why 100% I was expecting a, a Will Smith it's, joke It's there. three years. And by the, yeah, the, the, the NHL needs one, right? You've got baseball's two Will Smiths, the Dodgers <laughs> and the Rangers. You've got Will Smith, the defensive end, right? you got Best Will Smith that slaps people. Yep. Yeah, so you, the NHL uh, needs yeah. a Will How Smith. How can I forget about that one? <laughs> yeah. So, the greatest of all the rules. Oh, and, and by the way, as uh, as 
Matthew mentioned, Alex Ferrario is headed to Nashville to report live from the draft. Blues have the 10th overall pick right now. And uh, you can tune in Wednesday night starting at 6. Alex is going to be on site from Bridgestone Arena. He'll also be talking to special guests and covering everything that's happening at the draft. That's this Wednesday night. Alex Ferrario live from Nashville starting at 6 here on 101 ESPN. The NHL Draft Show brought to you by Swiss Air Heating and Cooling. So, yeah, last week Brooke was was on the, the Mitchkoff bandwagon to the Blues. Now I'm on the Blues are trading up to the San Jose uh, number four overall. That's what, that's, right. that's what I'm jumping on here. Are, are you guys... Especially with the Klim Costin experience, Oof. are you really all... <laughs> Klim Costin was supposed to be a top five pick in the uh-huh. draft before he hurt his shoulder. Yeah. His shoulder got healthy and he never turned into a player. So do you really... Do you want to give up assets for something that... You don't know. It's a, it's a coin flip. It's well, a lottery ticket. And, and what we pointed out last week, too, is that Doug Armstrong mentioned it's so different this time because of the political unrest that you have that you're not able to even go over there and scout the players yeah. like you did before. So that that's a whole different experience. He mentioned he doesn't have any apprehension working with Russian players. We've seen him do it in the past, and it has worked out. But what's different is that you're not able to go scout in person, talk to that player. I would have some apprehension about that. There's no way. I just, them trading up to take a, a Russian who he's locked into. And apparently he's, he's willing to talk about his contract and things like that. It's just there's too many things. They got really lucky with the with the Tarasenko uh, mm-hmm. pick years ago. Obviously, the Kostin one didn't work out. But, I mean, the, the entire reason the Kostin one happened is because he was the number two or three European skater in that draft. Right. And everyone said there was so much questions around the Russia factor that the Blues were able to get him at the end of the first. It was a it was a great idea, but you know, kind of like Dalvin Prez with the Cardinals, it just didn't work out. It doesn't mean it never will, but you, you gotta gotta take your shot where, where it comes. Um, spe- this is another thing that just popped up to me. I showed this to Kerry Davis, and his reaction alone meant I had to bring it up to everybody else. Dennis Rodman, uh, in a quote to Vlad TV, which is kind of like a lower rung TMZ, quote unquote about Larry Bird said Dennis Rodman again. If Larry Bird played in this era, I think he'd be in Europe. There's just no way. I think the kid from Denver is way better than him. Gary Davis, when I initially showed you that, you had a double jack probably to see who it was who was making those kind of comments. Your thoughts on Dennis Rodman on Larry Bird? So if you remember years ago, and Randy, I know you remember this, there was an issue where Isaiah Thomas had to apologize to Larry Bird because of a comment that Dennis Rodman actually said about Mm -hmm. Larry Bird. So this probably goes back decades from, from when those two were competing against one another. I don't think the guy in Denver is that much greater <laughs> if he is greater at all than Larry Bird. I mean, you know, Jokic is a big man. Larry was a three. But everybody that I've ever heard in life that speaks about Larry Bird will tell you he was one of those guys. Even one of Jordan, one. right? Yes. So, I, I, you know, this might be some long-lasting, uh, you know, feud. stench feud that they have going because there was a – there was a time when those two didn't didn't agree. You they know, didn't get along. So back in 1998, Michael allowed the cameras to follow the Bulls around. Mm-hmm. Isn't it a shame that they didn't have the camera on those two lockers, Rodman <laughs> and Pippen, next to each other? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> how much hate was going on. Yeah. Hate, 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 hate. I hate him. Me, too. <laughs> Dennis we need Rodman him, and not is, just him. Yeah. I, I hate everybody. I, I was watching something the other day. I, I don't know. 
and maybe Rocchio, you've seen this. Vice did like a trip to North Korea where they went behind the scenes. There's another new one that just came out, and Dennis Rodman is a part of that. He just randomly shows up at this charity like He's, basketball uh, tournament. I'm like, what? Yeah, and, I'm like, and, what is happening right him now? And Noon were are, are great friends. They a little Still bit are. too close. Uh, yeah. If you, if you yeah. had to ask me, a little I like bit Dennis. too close. I like Dennis Rodman. I love his game. I love what he was able to do on the basketball court. I love what he was able to, you know come from and, and become I thought he did a he was a spectacular basketball player I like when yeah. he got married to himself like, that was weird um <laughs> that's a little strange yeah. but it, it's you know as sometimes people just need to stop talking yeah and make life easier on them I think I don't know that I could pick 10 guys better than Larry Bird I, th I think he might be top 10 all time well, according to Rock, who knows? Because that's Kobe what he's talking about. That's oh, I shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is Larry you, Bird no, better than Kobe? <laughs> so then, no, he's in the top fifteen. Larry, is Larry Bird, Bird better than Kobe. Yes. Oh, uh, Bird oh. stole the ball. Bird stole the Bird. ball. Oh, so Rain, I need you to smoke like eighteen packs of cigarettes and then do that again, yeah. please. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, did I, did I bother you with that take, Carrie? Is that, is that problematic soul. for you? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Troubling. <laughs> I, you know, I, I we're going to go to a basketball I believe I just counseling. hurt Carrie's feelings. Rock and I are going to sit down in front of him. We're going to have a mediator for this. It's <laughs> <laughs> basketball. Here's a, and here's a quick discussion I wanted to get into because we had uh, Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver coach Aaron Moorhead, or as Carrie calls him, Head. Head on on Friday, and we talked obviously about what you know how great it is to, to be in that wide receiver room with Devonta Smith and A.J. Green. So a quick little discussion I got in over the weekend with some friends. The best wide receiver room in the NFL, is it Philly number two with only the Bengals ahead of them? Hmm. So you've got Chase Higgins and... Uh uh, I mean, the guy that here's the thing. Screwed up my fantasy team last Wh year. Whoever is in the, the room with... Um, uh, Tyler Boyd? Yeah. Tyler Boyd. Oh, he screwed up your fantasy team? <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's in the room with Justin Jefferson automatically becomes... <laughs> so they, the they ship out Thielen and you're still saying it's still, yeah, who, it's still who, the Vikings. Whoever is in the room with him, I, I put up there. I would put Miami is up. I mean, it's, it's hard. Miami got some, got some guys, too. Tyreek and, and Waddle. Uh, yeah, it's pretty we'll good. See, we'll see what the Ravens are with with OBJ and and Flowers. It, I'll take the group that Patrick Mahomes is throwing. Any, to. any, <laughs> anybody, <laughs> whoever it happens. But it's because of Patrick, right, exactly. Whoever yeah. it happens to be. I think I, I do like I do like Philadelphia though, and you know. Well, and Watkins is a big part of that, right? Yeah, they've yeah. got three. Well, a big part. Yeah. yeah. And we're talking about wide receivers room, but I also when I think of like great receivers too, I think a Cooper Cup comes up. In that yeah, name. They yeah, they, just, they, they, don't, they don't. They don't have. Yeah. They don't, yeah, they just, there's, there's, yeah, there's nobody secondary there. And you, your comment there about Justin Jefferson got into a secondary comment I got into. Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. Uh huh. Yeah, undoubtedly. Is Jamar Chase more talented than him? Uh, I think you can flip a coin, but I don't think so. I mean, I think they are. Justin Jefferson is. Uh, he, he's got something different. Like, and, and not, and Jamar Chase does too. But they are one A, one B. Hey, you, you know what though? And I can't do this because I'm not morally flexible enough, but a healthy Cooper Cup. Yeah. He's, un he's, he's uncoverable. The, the, the and he's got better numbers than all of And that's what I was saying. If we're talking about just receivers in general, but I know we're talking about wide receivers room, because I'm just thinking about just one wide receivers. They yes. throw him the ball 185 times a year. He's going to have 100-plus catches. 
he's don't uncoverable. have anybody. He's, yeah, he's uncoverable. And speaking, by the way, we're talking about a him. lot of uh, great <laughs> wide receivers. Um, a lot of those wide receivers went to LSU. Uh, an unfortunate uh, weekend, though, for former LSU head coach Les Miles. Yeah. As it finally came down that they are vacating all of LSU's wins from 2012 through 2015. Ooh. That means he drops below 60% as a wow. win as a head coach, which means that despite the fact that next year when he turned 70, he would have been eligible and probably would have gotten inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. He falls below the 60% needed to be eligible. Les Miles no longer eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame because of some recruiting violations and Vidal Alexander, the guard there playing um, illegal uh, against the rules there for four years. Probably all three wins at Kansas aren't far behind. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably not. No, yeah. not, not not too far behind there. So a rough one for, for uh, Les Miles there. Hey, uh, thanks to our friends here at Whitmore Country Club who uh, welcomed us today. Uh, the, the folks from Folds of Honor have been fantastic. Suzanne Lay always does such a great job in putting this tournament together. Bradford Bruns back at the station. Joe Vosevich right here, our engineer on site. And uh, we thank you for tuning in. Great job by our producer, audio engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, CD. My man. Brooke, this has been fun. This has been fun. Thanks for coming out here. I'm going to go play. You guys have a great day. I know. Day. You were, like, itching to get yeah. out there. You, he was putting, yeah. during yeah. the break, he was putting he's on his golf yeah. shoes That's and everything. We, 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 we tee off at 10. Ooh. You got to go. Ooh. That's why. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.